Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. How are you feeling out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my phone was on fire after that game on Friday. Riders' first trip to Ottawa didn't go the way we wanted. We'll get to the audio rewind as we do after every Rider game, whether it's the day after or the weekend after. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger here. And away we go. Um, so, uh, lots going on. We'll get to the Riders in a second. Over the weekend, the Thunder crushed the Colts 50-14. to I didn't see there was an injured Calgary Colts player on that game. Did you hear what happened and, and if he's doing okay? I didn't hear what happened, but, uh, you know, it, I think it was pretty serious because both teams were taking a knee and they had to bring out, like, the stretcher yeah, the and EMS. stuff. I was trying to get to the bottom of it, but nobody got back to me, so we'll try it. I, I didn't hear what happened, but uh, I, I think Everything ended up okay. It's always a uh, tough situation when you bring a stretcher out at the uh, football field. Thunder absolutely destroyed the Colts, fifty to fourteen. Uh, the Saskatoon Hilltops with a forty to seven win over the Edmonton Huskies. So the Hilltops are undefeated. And Zinger, big game on Saturday. The Thunder go to Saskatoon. I know. I, I played in this league way back in the day. I never remembered that. Like they're done by. Thanksgiving and the playoffs start after Thanksgiving. Yeah, because they're I guess their regular season. They That's what starts, I meant. Yeah, I, I know. I know August. it starts. I know it starts in August, so they're ahead of U uh, Sports football. I, I always thought we had a regular season game or two after Thanksgiving, but I know for sure that's in U Sports. Anyway, big battle on Saturday in Saskatoon. We'll have the head coach of the Hilltops on the show tomorrow, Tom Sargent. Sarge is always good for a conversation. I haven't, haven't heard from him in a while. No, huh? we're gonna we're gonna catch up with him. Uh, Derek Carr of the New Orleans Saints. And we'll get into more of the NFL in our pick six coming up here in the next segment. But Derek Carr is week to week with a strained AC joint. Maybe that's why uh, his Saints collapsed to your Packers. Uh, 17 nothing. They're up in the fourth quarter with about 11 and change to go. And Jordan Love, who wasn't great all day, nobody in Green Bay was, leads them back to the victory. We'll get into that a little more in depth in our pick six coming up here. Mike Williams of My Chargers. He is, I feel bad for the guy, but he's made of peanut brittle. He always just, like, he's out with a knee injury for yeah, the rest of the year. Torres ACL. I thought it was a concussion. He hurtled the dude and then got a helmet to helmet hit. And what is a helmet to helmet hit and what is it? You know, we, you know, a lot of people get on CFL refs, and sometimes rightfully so. But Derwin James smokes the running back from the Vikings on the sidelines. He gets a 15-yard helmet-to-helmet, and he led with his shoulder. His helmet did hit the guy. This guy, Williams, gets hammered, I think, by Harrison Smith in the middle of the uh, Vikings secondary. Nothing. There's a helmet-to-helmet on the Chargers tight end on the sidelines. Nothing. Um I can't remember, did Minka Fitzpatrick get a... He got a helmet-to-helmet on Garoppolo, and it was kind of on the side with his shoulder. So, 
Uh, man, it's kind of picking. Even, even in the CFL, Micah Alway got pegged with one on the weekend, too, against uh, Montreal. You know, it, just a tough. Oh, he hammered the guy. That should have been a, that should have been, that, he's going to get a fine. And if he gets a, well, <laughs> I can't say he's going to get a fine. He might get a fine. And he, that'll be the fourth one on him. He should be suspended, but. Wasn't that kind of tough, though? Because the ball carrier was like, last second, he kind of lowered himself a bit more. Yeah, it's just like but it's, he, but, but he took a, run at him with his head down. Yeah. That's the only thing I have to say. Um, Mike Williams said out with a knee. Joe Burrow trending to play tonight against the Rams. I don't like these two Monday night games. Oh, it's garbage. Like wh- I know why they're doing it. Here's why they're doing it. It should be double headers actually. It shouldn't be offset. I don't like that. But because of the rider strike, there's nothing to watch on TV. And if you put an NFL game on, it is a ratings bonanza. It doesn't even matter if it's a fresh new TV show. I don't, on like, the having, I don't like having options on Monday. I don't either. Keep Zinger and I are vanilla. Could you just keep it the way it's always been? Right? I think this might be the last week that they're doing this. Yeah, I think this. so, too. Uh, I have no interest in the Tampa-Philly game. Like, Philly should win that game, although they haven't been lights out early on this year. Baker Mayfield's been pretty good. He's been protecting the ball, hasn't turned it over for the Buccaneers. Battle of, I think, 2-0 teams, yeah, right? Yeah, they're, they're both 2-0. Yeah. Wow, that is crazy. Uh, Steelers landed back in Pittsburgh around 11.15 our time this morning after making an emergency stop in Kansas City uh, earlier in the morning. Dra- uh, flying back from Vegas last night after a win on Sunday Night Football, uh, they had low... Uh, oil pressure on the one um, jet, uh, jet engine, so they had to land. And I often think about that. Think of all the flights that all these teams make. You know what I was thinking about, actually? The sport that's really crazy is Major League Baseball. They travel more than anybody. Yeah. It's crazy. That not, that doesn't happen more. And I, I knock on wood because I do it uh, enough with the Rough Riders. Just think about it. And we bitch about the airlines, but when we go up and we go down consistently, that takes a lot of talent and a lot of... Uh, um, I still know how A that. lot of talent and a lot of, uh, I guess, attention to detail from these uh, airlines people. I was just going to say, I just don't know how that happens. Like... I don't need low, low, like, don't be messing with that now. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, How's that happen? I don't know about you, but out I, of nowhere, like, come on. You know, I'm very sick of uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey oh, already. Come on now, like enough. Yeah, enough of that. They, here's the rumor. Did you hear the rumor? Because she was, she was on in the in in Kelsey's uh, suite, sitting. She was sitting next to his mom. So they're obviously tight because if mom's been introduced, it's more than just a couple of casual dates. But fans were trying to, they were watching as much up there as they were on the field because down there, the Bears didn't even put up a fight. They lost 41-10 to Mahomes, Kelsey, and the Chiefs. But up there, everybody's looking, all the Swifties are looking where she is. There's a rumor that they snuck her out of the Sky Suite because how's she going to get out? In a popcorn machine. (laughs) <laughs> That's the rumor. They threw her in a popcorn machine and wheeled her out. Nobody could tell. That is hilarious, man. By the way, Usher's the halftime show. What do you think of that? I don't like that one. Do you really care about the halftime show? I don't usually. I, I don't, usually. I usually go to the washroom and you yeah. know, we reload still, my plate with nachos and cheese in your Western pizza. We still don't have um, anything for the halftime show for the gravy. Yeah, Hamilton and the Grey Cup. So I don't know what's going on there, but whatever. Uh, Pats picked up a pair of wins on the weekend, seven six over the Brandon Wheat things, and then they beat the Saskatoon Blades here five one in their home opener. They're here Wednesday against Moose Jaw. We will be there live on the concourse. We'll take you back in time to the home opener uh, for Pat Chat at 530 and hear from Mr. Barnett.
Brayton yeah. Barnett, he was part of uh, the yeah. big 5-1 victory. That was some kind of game in Brandon on Friday night. Yeah, back like, and forth, yeah. back and forth. Pats finally win it in OT 7-6. Yeah, who, who A made like only 18 saves and they still won like 7-6 or something, wasn't it? Crazy. Yeah. And the Pats uh, wore their new... Um, alternate unis on Saturday night at the Brand Center. Some uh, white threads. They look good. Yeah, you know they're they're nice looking unis. Okay. You know, I'm not going to say they're my favorite yeah. uh, alternate, but yeah. there's nothing wrong with them. Boy, uh, this is from the uh, Karma. Oh, we'll stay with hockey for a second. Blue Jackets announced that they have uh, added Hall of Fame forward and former Penguin and Devils assistant coach Mark Recchi as an assistant coach and Pascal Vincent staff. Um, Mark Recchi. Yeah, Mark Recchi. Now, two U.S. college games I was paying attention to. The oh, Colorado, yeah, talk, yeah. Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> the day before, teams always show up at the other team's field to do a walkthrough, right? Mm-hmm. And they were rubbing their feet on the O and walking across the O in Eugene, Oregon there. Yeah, is it Outson Stadium or whatever? I thought they're supposed to be respectful. Yeah, huh? well, they weren't. Yeah, the, yeah, he teaches respect. They got absolutely club forty-two to six by Oregon. I loved that. <laughs> that was awesome. The one I did tune into after the uh, the Alouettes did the Riders a favor and beat the Stamps. I had no no disrespect, but I had more interest watching Notre the Notre Dame. Dame Ohio State game as opposed to the uh, Tiger Cats and Argos. Uh, Marcus Freeman, the young 37-year-old coach for Notre Dame, confirmed that they didn't know they only had 10 men on the field for the final two plays against Ohio State. So they had 10 men on the field. Uh, Kyle McCord's pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. fell incomplete, and the Buckeyes substituted running backs, which by rule meant Notre Dame could change personnel before the snap, but they didn't, and they only had 10 guys out there on the incomplete pass, and 10 guys on when they ran right to the spot where the 11th man would have been, and they they lost 17-14 to Notre Dame. But I want to say something, okay? It's okay to, like... How do I put this? It's okay to... Part of the game is to trash talk and all that stuff. But Ryan Day was bad... The head coach of Ohio State was bad mouth and Lou Holtz. You don't bad mouth a legend. I don't care if it's in broadcasting, in your, yeah, in your area respect, of profession. Huh? Show some area of... Or so a little bit of dignified respect. Like I watched that. that game in the hotel in Winnipeg. And I was just so pleased to see the Notre Dame Fighting Irish wear those nice Kelly Green They were nice. Eighties. They were nice. It reminds me of Joe Montana because when Joe Montana... Yeah. Played on the team. He wore those ones. My two favorite teams uh, for college football has always been Notre Dame, Tennessee. And Tennessee now yeah, I like the Tennessee Volunteers, and I like uh, the North Dakota Fighting Hawks now. But those are that's my Notre team. Dame's helmets. They have to be like top three in any level of football. Uh, it's a great helmet. Like the helmet is just like and just clean minty yeah, hay. Like, oh, what, a, what a sexy football yeah, team. What, that's uh, Ryan Hall's favorite yeah, uh, college yeah, team. Yeah, I know, I know. I won't hold that against him. No. Well, no, yeah, actually, I like him. He, because, like, South Bend, Indiana, very close to Chicago, Illinois, yeah. so, like, he's made a couple that's trips what, before yeah, his, yeah. like, Soldier I've never, Field. To, I've never been. The Ram coaches used to go down there for, like, a coaching clinic and stuff back no. when Frank was here, so I'd love to go. That's one stadium yeah, I'd love to go sweet. see. Uh, back to uh, Swift and Kelsey, though. I, I sure hope she ruins his career like Jessica Simpson ruined and Tony Romo's, don't you? Remember yeah. when Romo went on a trip with oh, her to Mexico on the bye? Oh, I hope that's what or happens. Or Aaron Rodgers, all of the, the big list of celeb yeah. girlfriends he had. I yeah. mean, that kind of screwed your team up, though. Yeah. Didn't it? All right, uh, we are going to take a break, but not before huh, we go back to Ottawa. Do we have to do this? We'll do it. Here okay. we go. Here we go. 
Goligala looking, throws to the far side. It's complete to the goal line for the touchdown. His second of the season. Touchdown, Saskatchewan, Kean Schaefer-Baker. Tyrell Pigram keeps off the right side, and the backup quarterback has his fifth rushing touchdown of the year for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and their great fan base rising to their feet. Here's a handoff to Hickson off the right side, outside the right tackle, 45-50, and puts his head down, and the Liberty Flame is running hard. Dolagala play action, backpedals, curling it down the left sideline, wide open, Emelis has it, and he trots it in end zone. Touchdown Saskatchewan. This is here's Crum on first down from the rider. 45 takes the shotgun snap back pedals three steps under pressure from Christian Albright and he'll get thrown down by Christian Albright. Here is Crum second and 17 he gets sacked again and it's Christian Albright again. Hello. The last time we had an Albright like this was Dave Albright. Here's Korzak taking that snap, sending a high missile over the head of Danbridge down at the five-yard line like a pitching wedge. He picks it up on the far side, uh, dodges the first oh, wave. No. Look out. He's oh, at the 20, no. 25, 30, no. 25, 40. This near side, and Korzak with a touchdown-saving tackle along the near sideline. Here's a pass in the uh, left flat. It's picked off and bringing it back for a touchdown, or at least trying to, to the 10, and tackle inside the 10. Rainbow toss, corner of the end zone, it's caught! Braylon Addison in behind Amari Henderson and Derek Moncrief, and the Ottawa Red Blacks points off a turnover. They're in the backfield, they are going to throw. Dolagala got yeah, smoked! That's absolutely ridiculous. And is the ball out? It is out! That is absolutely And it's scooped ridiculous. up by the Red Blacks! 42 yards away, puts his right foot into the football the low driving kick for affinity credit union is good at the end of the half pushes it to the right and alfred's gonna bring it out or try to there he goes he shoots through a hole near side 10 20 blocking it from 30 40 and he's still on his feet and then tumble down Golagala looking right throws a high pass oh my goodness what a catch Climbing the ladder for the Rough Riders and securing that catch was Jared Stearns. He reached to the heavens. Crumb's got time to throw. He zips it, and that's caught. Nice grab, and the ball came out. Did the Riders get it? It was punched out. I think Hardy caught it, and he yeah. dropped it, and the Riders get the ball. Play action. Throw it out here to Mariner again. He's got a break, and he's gone. 10, 5, touchdown down the right sideline. C.O.C. Mariner. Hickson now moves to the left hip of Dolagala. Stearns goes in motion to the right flats. Dolagala looks that way. He's going to throw down the middle. Caught by Tevin Jones. And then the ball comes out and it's intercepted. Popped up in the air and picked off by the Ottawa Red Blacks. Oh, what else could go wrong? RPO to the left side. Wide open. Crumb. He's to the 20. He's going to score. Dustin Crumb. Are you kidding me? 35 yards. Here's the end over end kick from Richie Leone. Back to Alford catches it up around his neck. He's going to take it up the middle. Look up. Mario Alford. 30, 35, 40. Down this left side. He could go. He's got to beat the kicker. He get by him. And he's going to score. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. Saskatchewan. Takes the football. Pushes behind his center. Did he get in? There's no signal. Now it is. Touchdown. Saskatchewan. So, how are you feeling after that one, folks?
936-6262, the number to text, the number to call locally, or 1-866-767-0620. I haven't a chance to talk to you people. Got the coach coming on live after five. Maybe you got some texts for him. How are you feeling about your team after that one? I'm uh, severely disappointed. But I will tell you this. My One of my burning questions is, why wasn't this guy, Christian Albright, on the roster a lot faster after watching that one on Friday? Here with uh, Christian Albright, our defensive player of the game. Hey, man, you know what? First major start for you this year. Um, obviously not the results you wanted, right. but, uh, man, you you, uh, you were really effective in your pass rush off the edge today. Like the way you were moving, moving hands off guys. Talk about just sort of what you came in with um, in your mind uh, to do today. Uh, really just uh, watching film all week with, with the whole D-line group and then talking to uh, talking to Ann and Pete, the vets of the uh, of the D-line and D-N group, and just uh, trying to trying to attack these guys, seeing what will work on them, and then, you know, kind of get the feel for it uh, at the start of the game and then, then just going out and executing it. You know, uh, one of the most re- respectable thing I think as a player is, is when you're when you're down and the game seems like you're out of hand and, and you're still out there motoring around, right? Um, you made a special teams play, you know, when the game was far out of reach. Um, it's, a, it's a job interview, right? Um, always moving forward. So talk about just sort of what, what the journey's been like for you to get to this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been rough. I'm not going to lie. I know uh, just my first game active in week uh, 15, 16, whatever week it is, but, you know, just trying to stay mentally and physically ready for when the opportunity does come because I knew it was going to come. So just had to stay ready for it. And, and when you get the opportunity, you got to seize the opportunity. So that, that was my whole mindset coming into the game today. Yeah, when, and so the result didn't, again, the result wasn't where you wanted it. Talk about what you talked about in the locker room with your teammates after the game. Uh, really, we just got to stay together. It's been a rough uh, past three weeks. Uh, so we got we just got to get back in the win column. We got we to gotta figure out what to do because obviously it's, it's not working right now. So we're going to stay together and just keep on working and keep attacking day in and day out and and figure it out. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. For another pick six with Ballsy and friends, as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one in the pick six, the Broncos are 0 3 under Sean Payton and just lost by 50. To this point, Sean Payton has blamed Russell Wilson for most of the problems, but you can't blame him for yesterday. Let's look at Denver's upcoming schedule. They visit Chicago this week. The Bears have lost 13 in a row, dating back to last season, so Denver should probably win that one. Broncos play at home against the Jets in Week 5. There's a chance they win that one, although it's not guaranteed. Then they travel to Kansas City, and then Green Bay and Kansas City again. Yuck. They might have to start looking at draft positioning. Dolphins hung 70 on Peyton and the Broncos, too shy of an NFL record, and they've scored 130 points this season already. The question is, can anyone stop this offense? You'd have to think this offense is going to keep rolling. They didn't even play with receiver Jalen Waddle, who would be a number one on a lot of teams. 
Through three games, Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert, the running back, are playing at all pro levels. And now here comes rookie running back Devon Atchain. He had four touchdowns and over 200 yards of offense yesterday. The key, as always, though, is the quarterback. Tua Tungavailoa is in his second year with head coach Mike McDaniel's offense, and he looks like he's taking another big step this season. If he remains healthy, the scheme and speed are definitely going to be a problem for defenses. And good news, Sports Cage fans. You have a chance to see the Dolphins live in our ultimate sports trip with CAA Travel and the Sports Cage. We are going to Miami December 5th through the 12th. We're watching two hockey games, Panthers and Stars, Panthers and Penguins, and a Monday night football game, Titans versus the Dolphins. If you want to go, there are only nine seats left as of today. You want to see this absolutely dynamic show in person in Miami, beautiful Florida in December when it'll be about 28 degrees Celsius. It's $2,799 a person based on double occupancy and that includes everything. Your flights, your hotel, your transportation from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel to games, and we're going to have a party at the Dallas-Florida game right in a roped-off area with some beverages and food for you. It's going to be a great time. It's going to go fast. Make sure you call Terry Kazis. Uh, the uh, nine seats are available both from Regina and Saskatoon. Go into any CAA travel office in Saskatchewan. Number three on the pick six. The Cardinals shocked the Cowboys 28-16. What the Cards are doing is impressive and surprising. Arizona's starting quarterback is some guy named Joshua Dobbs, a career backup, acquired from Cleveland 17 days before the season started. The Cardinals have a first-time head coach, a first-time offensive coordinator, and a first-time defensive coordinator. They subtracted receiver DeAndre Hopkins, all-pro J.J. Watt, and much more than they added in the offseason. And their best player, safety Buda Baker, landed on the IR. The Cards were 12.5-point home dogs to Dallas yesterday. This was the 15th time in 360 chances since the year 2000 that an underdog covered that much of a spread. So far this season, Arizona's led every game at the half. 16-10 against the Commanders, 20-0 against the Giants, and 21-10 against the Cowboys. Number four in the pick six. What a comeback by Zinger's Green Bay Packers. Before Sunday, NFL teams were 18, 719, and two since 1940 when trailing by exactly 17 points through three quarters, according to Pro Football Reference. Make it 19, 719, and two now after the Packers rallied to beat the Saints 18, 17 at Lambeau Field. Jordan Love's eight yard touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs with 259 left was the difference. Love was wasn't great on home turf for most of the day, but in the fourth, when he had to be, he was 7 of 17, 104 yards, and the winning touchdown. And don't look now, but like Zinger said, the Packers in first place in the uh, NFC North in a tie with the Detroit Lions. The Chargers almost chargered. Well, they kind of chargered before the game. My team held on to beat the Vikings 28-24 in a shootout that came down to the final play. They needed 18 catches, a franchise record, and 215 yards from Keenan Allen. Plus, Allen threw a touchdown pass. 
They needed video game numbers from quarterback Justin Herbert, 40 of 47 for 405 yards and three touchdowns. And they needed a goal line interception after their boneheaded head coach, Brandon Staley, went for it with under two minutes to go on fourth and one at his own 24 with the Vikes out of timeouts. This guy just wants to get fired. Surely the Chargers could have used a top cornerback during the fourth quarter when the Vikes offense was picking up steam. Before the game, 18 months after the Chargers signed J.C. Jackson to a five-year, $82.5 million deal, the team made him a healthy scratch. Head coach Brandon Staley was asked after the game about it. He said he did what was best for the team. (laughs) Folks, that's what we call Chargering. And number six on the pick six, after a tumultuous week to say the least, the Bears were blown up by the Chiefs 41-10 and dropped to 0-3. Now what do Bears fans have to look forward to? <laughs> That's easy to answer. USC quarterback Caleb Evans, he's expected to be the top overall pick. You see, the Bears have a first round pick and the Panthers first round pick, and if they stay on course, they'll have the top pick in the draft too. The Bears have more talent than they showed on Sunday, and the development of quarterback Justin Fields clearly has stalled which is their biggest problem. He'll be done after this year. They also lack depth, as we're starting to see. This, folks, is the worst mess in the NFL. And my game ball this week from the NFL, week number three, goes to a kicker. Yes, Indianapolis Colts kicker Matt Gay became the first player in NFL history to convert four field goals of 50 yards or longer in a single game. His 53-yard conversion in overtime catapulted the Colts to an unlikely 22-19 road victory in Baltimore over the Ravens. He hit a 53-yarder, a 54-yarder, a 53-yarder, and a 53-yarder. And it was on a rain-soaked field, too, so... Our game ball goes to Matt Gay. Tonight, there are two Monday night games, Tampa and Philadelphia. And the other one has the Cincinnati Bengals up against the Los Angeles Rams in a Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago. 3.36 with the sports ticker. Two Monday nighters to look forward to tonight in the NFL. Pick and choose which one you want to watch. The Eagles take on the Buccaneers in Tampa at 5.15, a battle of two 2-0 teams and the other game a rematch of the Super Bowl from a few years ago. The Bengals look for their first win of the season as they welcome the LA Rams to Cincy for a 6.15 p.m. kickoff and the Major League Baseball playoff push it's on for real now with the Mariners and Astros kicking off a three-game set in Seattle. The Blue Jays will have a nice little opportunity to gain some ground this week. The Jays won two of three in Tampa Bay over the weekend and set two games up for the second wild card spot with six games remaining. So things looking up for Toronto. The club has an off day today before starting up a six game homestand versus the Yankees and then the Rays. Your hard work, it allows the world to feed itself every day. Your rye, your wheat and your barley, your flax, lentils and beans. Millions and millions of people need you to be out there. So while the world is relying on you this harvest, you can always rely on us, Eberasa and Sons. If you need anything this busy harvest season, we'll be there. Eberasa.com We're on a rampage. From sideline to sideline, the sports cage has you of Rams football covered. So the Rams played the... um, 
Manitoba Bisons on Saturday at IG Field. It was a highly entertaining game as described by our own Sean Kleisinger and Ryan Hall. And with that in mind, let's go back to Saturday from the visiting broadcast booth. The Rams offense takes over first and 10 from their 21 on first down. Steven back to pass. He's going to arc this one down the middle of the field. He's looking for Mims. He's got it. Inside of Bison territory. Tackle just shy of the 40-yard line. First down, Regina. Dushinsky, four receivers, far side left. He's going to scramble up the middle, but he has nowhere to go. As Braden Wang, like a German suplex style, throws him to the turf for a sack. Maya Turner, the first female player ever to dress in a U-Sports game. Could she be the one, the first ever? to score points in a U-Sports game. The snap is down, the kick is up, and the kick is good. Oh, listen to the crowd. That's when I got to be part of a little history here. Maya Turner. They're going to slip the screen to Olivier Savard and he has room. He crosses the 50, cross midfield, buys in 50, buys in 45-40, near sideline, pushed out of bounds. A huge screen pass for a first down. Regina Snap to Steven, handoff off the left side. Erickson inside the 20-15-10. He might go all the way five into the end zone. Touchdown. Marshall Erickson. Great job by Matthew Hadjewich, the left tackle. Just an awesome seal block on the left side. Dashinsky has four receivers to the near side right, and he's going to look that way, then he's going to look left, and he's going to try to scramble again up the middle. Then he backtracks right into the arms of Cameron Ma. And another quarterback sack. Head high snap, handoff to Garwood, up the right end on first down. He turns it upfield across midfield, cross the Bison 50, inside the Bison 45, down to the 40-yard line. Rumbling. Stumbling. First down, Javon Garwood. Dashinsky snaps, standing tall, throws rainbows towards the end zone. He's looking for his man. Cut. Touchdown, Bisons. Deshaun LeJure with his first touchdown of the season. First and ten, Steven. He's looking right now. Pumps, rainbows, near side of the field, looking for Sokol. In the end zone, hit the flex, and then it flex into his arms. Touchdown, Regina. Great concentration. The ball was just a little bit underthrown. Deshinsky under center. Deshinsky gets the snap. He's moving the ball forward. He extends his arm, and the ref is giving him a touchdown. Deshinsky gets the snap, pushes forward. Looks like he has enough. He's into the end zone for a Bison touchdown. Third and five. Sieben fires, and it's caught. Enough for a first down. Emmett Stittman with the big reception. Shotgun snap. Sieben play action. Back to pass. Standing. Throwing. Wide open. Complete at the five-yard line. Stusick cuts it back inside. Dives for the goal line. And he's going to be marked oh. down at the one-yard line. Under center. He fakes the sneak. He's going to throw it over the top. And it's caught. <laughs> a big leap and catch. And Graham. Sokol and Graham were the two tight ends on the play. They both, right on the snap, just released straight up the field. This is the two-point conversion. Sieben's in the shotgun. He's going to play action. He's going to dump it. That's Coppa Erickson. He needs to get into the end he's zone. Got, he's in. Turns it upfield. And it's good. The pride of the Miller Marauders. Out of the hole to Stusick. The kick. And the kick is short. And that is going to be it. The game is over. The Manitoba Bisons defeat the Regina Rams 27-24 to here at IG Field. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. I mean, come on. Come on. We're the voice of sports. Riders. Rams. We'll hear from Dante DeCarry a little later on. Pat Chat, voice of the Pats, too. We've got Thunder football covered for you. We're going to have the Hilltops coach on tomorrow. Big matchup in Saskatoon. Thunder and Hilltops on Saturday. They are 6-0, and and the Rams are 5-1. and 
So, Zinger, back to that game quickly in Winnipeg. Uh, Maya Turner makes history. Uh, she kicked a field goal early, and then she got the winning points, didn't she? Is that right? Yeah, she did. In she overtime. kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime because uh, the Rams, they really uh, could not move the ball in overtime mm. in their too many games. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but maybe looking back at it, maybe try running the ball a bit because... Uh, it was just the same old story in that overtime period. It was a, it was a good ball game, though. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but yeah, I, I wish the Rams could have won so the game. So this is Sieben's team then, Owen Sieben's yeah, team. Well, it looks looked, like right. He looked pretty good. He made he made one you know a couple bad decisions here and there, but what do you expect? He's a young quarterback. This was his first U Sports start under center, mm-hmm. so I think he played pretty dang good, man. I mean, he had made a lot of nice plays on the run, a lot of nice uh, accurate plays. That one long post over the middle in the first quarter to uh, Deshaun Mims was just right in the basket. It was such a nice throw. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got a bright future, man. So Excited. Na- so I know how I feel. Okay, I know how I feel. I've been there a few times, more than a few times, as the voice of the Rams and now the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Your first time into Winnipeg, I believe, at IG Field, at least up in the booth area. Just get your overall thoughts on uh, the comparison between the two stadiums, because everybody says I look at it through green and white glasses. All right, so where do and I... you're a sports guy. Yeah. You really appreciate <sighs> this stuff. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, where do I start? Okay, so... Let's start with the exterior of IG Field. I I like this kind of stuff. So upon entry into IG Field and the outside of the stadium, I was I was actually very impressed when I got there because you know there's a lot of uh, player banners on the light posts outside. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, graphics. It just feels like a a football stadium on the outside. So that part of it's really good. But if you compare the, the actual... You like the Bud Grant Trophy or oh, statue yeah, the, up front? Oh, good, good. Thanks for reminding me. Thanks for reminding me. I like how the Bud Grant statue is on a, a base pedestal yeah. with a description. I truly believe, I, I, I wish that Ronnie Lancaster and George Reed's statues outside Mosaic Stadium would be on the exact same type of base pedestal because, you know... There's a lot of tourists that, you know, that roll through the city and, you know, if they go up to the statue and they see it, you know, they might be thinking, well, who's yeah. this guy? I mean, even Vince Lombardi and Curly Lambeau are on yeah. a statue. Yeah, uh, I agree. A base. I agree. So that part of it I really like. And also uh, inside the press box at IG Field, I like how uh, there's a lot of wall graphics, wall art. You know, it says the Bob like, Irving Media Center. Yeah, the Bob, the Bob Irving Media Center is very nice because uh, in the corridor, in the hallway, it has a, a, a blue wall that yeah. says Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Obviously, I'm not a bomber fan here, but yeah. just saying, like, when you're in the press box up there, you know that you're at IG Field. Something you know, with Cactus Jack Wells. Yeah, there's lots up there. There's yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of nice decor. That's something that I wish Mosaic Stadium had. I, I feel like in the press box at Mosaic Stadium, I, I wish that there was some, you know, Saskatchewan Rough Rider art on the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the corridor, like some logos, you know, some, like, player art, you know, just to make it because if you plop someone in there with their eyes closed and they were were to open their eyes, they might not even know where they are, you know. Yeah. But if you do the same in Winnipeg, you you would know that you're at the home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They even got the finer details in the bathrooms up there with the with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hand sanitizer and the, and the and the the trash can. So they've got a little bit more attention to detail, yeah. I agree. But when you enter into the the meat and potato, like the stuff that really matters for a broadcaster. This is where Mosaic Stadium takes the absolute cake, as you know, Ballsy, because 
when you're looking broadcast right, if a team is on within, you know, in the red zone, say within the 20 yard line, you have no idea what yard line they're on. No, you have no idea. I like I have a kink in my neck. You see it it's still popping yeah, up because I, I was my head was cranked half the game trying to find out where the ball was because the a visiting team broadcast booth is literally right on the 30 yard line. Mm-hmm. So that part of it I did not like. And also you cannot see the scoreboard in the visitor broadcast booth you have to i'm not i'm not exaggerating you have to literally stick your head out the window and look up to see you know the scoreboard to see the replay to see the Ours, score and, and inside like what t- is that what know, kind of agriculture <laughs> agriculture yeah what kind of architecture is yeah. that and also uh ours just looks big time from the inside when you look at yeah. it inside it looks big time and yeah. actually when you look at it from the outside like the overhead drone shots ours mm-hmm. looks like a big time stadium yeah so altogether i think think IG Field they they do a good job with like you said the finer details yeah. like the like the decor and stuff something that maybe Mosaic doesn't have but as far as the actual structure of the stadium yeah uh, I think Mosaic Stadium takes the cake I agree I agree better okay. architecture better architecture for sure okay when we come back we'll hear from Cody Mapes thanks for letting me doing that no I problem like buddy that. I want you to say some stuff like that <laughs> when we come back we'll hear from uh, Cody Mapes he's the coach of the Weyburn Red Wings SJHL in full swing too this is the Sports Cage. By the way, you could text us 936 6262. Any thoughts on your Rough Riders, the CFL going forward, NFL? Hockey's right around the corner, too. NHL hockey. 936 6262. Brought to you by the uh, Capital Auto Group. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We'll be back in a moment on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Yeah, no, uh, you know, fairly happy with, with the uh, with the weekend. I mean, a good home opener for the most part, um, and then was able to go and get a, a road win with a one nothing one nothing shutout win early in the year. So that's always good to see. Uh, you know, see the guys take care of take care of the D zone. I guess uh, that early in the year. Yeah, and so uh, what are your expectations for this club this year? Well, you know what, I think right now it's just about getting better every day. Um, you know, I think we I think we do have a, a pretty good group here. Um, a little bit of a, a workmanlike attitude, which is good. And so, uh, you know, I think we've got a lot of good pieces in place, and we'll see uh, we'll see how the next next month goes here. But uh, you know, we're right now it's just about getting better every day. So, what does this next month look like? Is it a tough part of the schedule? What do you mean when you say that? Um, yeah, you know, we've got we've got a couple games in Milford. We've got uh, you know, we we don't have a whole whole bunch of home games, but. We, we just want to make sure that we give ourselves a chance here. Like first 30 days, find a way, find a way to get, you know, 1% better every single day and, and, and then reevaluate where we're at. We, we really like the personnel that we have here right now. And so, um, we just want to give them, give them a chance to, uh, to succeed. And, and like I said, kind of reevaluate in, in 30 days and, and see where, where our holes are and that kind of stuff and, and make adjustments as needed, I guess. Is that, uh, is that good, do you think, to have a, a lot of road? games to start um you know what i don't personally don't love being on the road for a long period of time at any point but it, it definitely happens to every team and so um you know you just gotta you gotta find a way to try to be try to be 500 on the road and as you saw last year in this league it, it's incredibly hard to win on the road and um you know you definitely got to make sure that you're you're taking care of uh taking care of your own building at home and then uh, you know if you can find a way to be to be 500 on the road especially early in the year when you know maybe things aren't quite as tight and it's uh 
maybe a little easier to get some some road points, but um, you know that's something that we we definitely want to improve on this year from last year for us is that we were real good at home last year but struggled on the road. So that's definitely a point of uh, a point of improvement for us this year. So going um, going into your third year as the coach and GM, is it easier to separate the two? Um. Yeah, I guess a little bit. I mean, we, uh, you know, we have a more, a more veteran staff. Um, our staff is way older now than it was two years ago. And so, um, it's, it's definitely get a little more help on that end of things. But, um, it, it is, as you learn, as you learn the job and stuff, there's definitely things that, you know, where your priorities need to be and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, uh, do you wait maybe 30 days to see before you start tinkering with your lineup and make trades and things like that? Yeah, we were, we were able to bring in, like we knew we had some, some spots to address, uh, and we were able to do that through the preseason, which is good. Uh, you know, we get a couple guys back from suspension and injury here, uh, leading into the weekend, so that'll be good too. And, uh, and then, yeah, I, you know, I think, once we kind of got to that point, now we're going to, we're going to settle in here and, and, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a few guys in other leagues that, you know, they could potentially be back at different times and stuff. And so, um, you know, we kind of just got to sit tight and wait and see what happens with those guys as well. So what's the area of concern? Give me one area of concern and one area of strength for the Weyburn Red Wings. Well, we, we only gave up, uh, two goals in two games in, uh, in other than a shootout, but we only scored three. So I would say those are the, the two points of, uh, of concern and strength, I guess. Is it harder to find offense or defense? Right now, it seems like the last couple of years, it seems like there's lots of, uh, serviceable defensemen that are available and, Scoring is always hard to find. I mean, we got we got a little lucky when a guy like Riley Morgan came available last year, but uh, you know I don't expect that to be the rule every year that a guy like that comes available. So um, you know it's it's definitely harder to find to find scoring. You kind of have to uh, you have to draft it, you have to recruit it, and so it's definitely tough to trade for it in season. Through your eyes, is it a pretty uh, parity filled league this year? Oh, oh yeah, big time. I mean, you know, adding, adding guys like Doug Johnson and, uh, and Clayton Jardine to the, the coaching staffs within the league, I think has, has definitely increased the parity in the league. Um, I mean, even you look at with our, within our division, uh, everybody within our division already has, already has a win. And so you, you know, you, I think adding those two guys has really increased the parity that was already there. So Cody, thanks for your time, man. Best of luck. Thanks, Baldy. That's Cody Mapes. Sorry, my uh, microphone was acting up there and uh, didn't intro him, but uh, that's Cody Mapes, the coach and GM of the Weyburn Red Wings in his third year there. Uh, That's the second closest team to us because uh, Notre Dame out there um, is right in our backyard here in terms of SJHL hockey teams. I'm a Red Wings fan. If I had to choose one team, I think it's Weyburn. Yeah, I was the voice of the Bruins, so I'm going to go Estevan Bruins, but uh, I do like Cody Mapes and his assistant coach, Kevin Saworski. He's a friend of mine. He got this text at 936-6262. Why wasn't Mason Fine put in? Dolagala has no ball handling skills, no mobility, and no accuracy. Well, first of all, it's he he can move pretty good for a young, for a tall quarterback. I, I'll give him that, but it's kind of like a semi. You know, it takes a semi a while to get going and a while to stop. Dolagala's kind of that way. Uh, I will agree with the ball handling. He's got to protect it better when he's in a crumbling pocket because mm-hmm. he's fumbled six times this year. That's too many fumbies. That's way too many fumbles. That's what, that's what you call fumbleitis. Yep, and uh, did have two interceptions, but he had a couple of touchdowns. I can't 
tell you why Fine wasn't put in there. Maybe he's not 100% yet. Maybe they want to, maybe they think they have a better chance to win with Jake Dolagala. So uh, that's that. And then we got this one from uh, Justin. Justin says, How many points do you and Zinger think Bedard will get this year? I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. So 82 games. Is there 81? 82 games. 82. 82 games. He'll get 80 points. 80 points, yeah. That's what I say. I think he got like three goals in a rookie yeah. game the other day. Yeah. Now, he? listen, he's not... Just a rookie game. He's not over the top fast. He's not big. He's young, though. He's got an elite shot and thinks the game better than a lot of guys. I'd say anywhere between 75 and 80 points. And uh, the, the Blackhawks play the Montreal Canadiens, I think, like the first week of the season, too. I can't wait for yeah, that it's one. it's going to be great, man. At we the got, Bell Center. got Chris Cuthbert coming on here in the near future. I asked him for today, but he was busy with uh, like three preseason games and four in four uh, days, so he's going to take a rain check, but uh, talk to us about the NHL coming up, the voice of Hockey Night in Canada uh, on Sports on Sportsnet and CBC and also a former CFL announcer. You know, he still loves this league. When we come back after 4 o'clock, we will uh, hear from Ryan Getzloff, who is in town for his induction into the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. And we'll also hear from Frankie Hicks and his postgame comments right after that loss to the Ottawa Red Blacks. He was our offensive game star. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Okay, my my brain's going to explode. Okay, so listen, I heard this driving in today and Cody and Gloria were trying to explain it to me and maybe they maybe it was their fault, maybe it was my fault, or maybe it was little from A or B. There's Lotto 649. There's a gold ball now. Like what? Do you know what this is all about? I don't know. I I, I don't I, my know. My mind's going to explode. I bought a ticket in Ontario, but there's some gold ball now. Could somebody text me 9366262? Like if you buy a gold ball, you're you're guaranteed to win or something or they were I don't get it. I don't know, man. I'm going to my head's going to explode. Anyway, I don't want to miss out on being a millionaire not having to put up with any of you people. That's what I'm <laughs> That's what I'm kind of looking forward to. High joke. Hurts my high joke. Anyway, also, have you ever been where you're like your brain's gonna explode? Like you've you've got a million things to do. You go. I, I'm on my phone trying to write them down in my notes, and I can't remember even the first thing. And then I get so frustrated and tired, I just don't do anything. That happens to me at least once a day. Ballsy, crazy so, man. Oh, the phones are ringing. Let's 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 hear. Maybe somebody could explain All this right, to let's me. Go. Hi, who's this? It's Faye speaking. Faye? So, yeah. Faye, can you explain to me what the hell this gold ball is? When the 649 draw is made, yeah. if a gold ball is drawn yeah. in the machine, then the jackpot of $68 million or whatever is won. Okay, so it's guaranteed to win? Yes, but can you but buy most most of the time? It's a white ball. Yeah, but can you but can you buy like a gold ball option? No, when you, no, you can't. No. So if you just no. bought it, if you just buy a regular ticket, that's all you need to do. Yes. Okay, yes. man, you are an expert, Faye. <laughs> well, I buy tickets all the time. Okay, Faye, you hang on the phone because here's what we're gonna do, Faye. I'm feeling generous, okay, Faye. So what's okay. gonna happen here is I'm gonna go to the lottery kiosk, Faye. And I'm gonna buy you and I a ticket and and zinger. We're gonna go three. We're gonna go three. I don't want to say. We're we're gonna go. It's gonna be a three way ticket for me, you, and Sean Kleisinger with a chance to split it three ways. Does that sound good? 
That sounds fantastic. Okay, Faye, you hang on the phone. My buddy Sean will get your information in a second, okay? okay hang on the thanks. phone. Just be very patient. I uh, got this from um, Ralph in Melville. Not a good year for any coach named Dickinson. No doubt about it. Um, I don't fire any coaches on this show. Uh, I've never done it, nor will I ever do it. I will tell you that Coach uh, Dave Dickinson's had one down year, so I'm, I'm thinking he is safe. I think Coach Craig Dickinson, to be quite honest with you, without a contract, has to do a little more to get his second contract. I think that's fair to say. What that will be, I don't know. I can't speak on that. Um, but he's going to have to do a lot better than losing to two, three win teams. Like, We're you, still in the playoffs. Are, yeah, I know. I I, I know that. I, I know that. I know. Oh, I know. But you know. but are you not mad? I'm mad. Like I am mad. Yeah, of course. I like mean, that's like a game you that can't. We should win. You can't lose. Should have won back the last to two back games. weeks to two, three win teams. But it's not just coaching. It's grown ass men. You guys got to come out and do your job for. Here's the thing, Zinger. Let me ask you this question, and I'll ask the listeners out there. Are the riders... Is this as good as it gets? Like, are they are they good enough to put in a 60-minute effort and dominate a team? Or is this what we expect? They're good for a bit, they'll have a down part in the game, and then maybe they might just get enough to get by in a game. And that's what we're looking for the rest of the year. Are we just an average football team? I think we are an average team, but... I haven't seen a full 60-minute effort. I just think a lot of things need to, like, go right. You know, like, to, at the end of the half there, everything just fell apart for the Saskatchewan. And I'm Riders. glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. If it wasn't up. for that uh, sequence of events, <clears throat> I think the game would be different. And these guys are professional coaches. Bob Dice, the week before, kicks a field goal when he doesn't have to. They lose the game. You have just given up a touchdown on a bad throw by Jake Dolagala. Ottawa goes in two play, well, one play later than the two-point conversion. Just eat the ball and go to half with 16 seconds left. Then you go to the NFL. The Chargers, they can't get out of their own way. They're way more talented than Minnesota. They have it fourth and one at their 24. Minnesota doesn't have a timeout. Why are you going for it there? What Minnesota gets the ball and they don't spike the ball? And Kirk Cousins is like, well, I couldn't hear my coach. Well, you've played in the league 14 years. You know to spike the ball. You don't need the coach to tell, coach, you never told me what to do. Yeah, he shouldn't have to. You should know how to spike the ball. Josh McDaniels, you and I were kind of going back and forth. He's got, he's got the ball deep in Pittsburgh's territory. Now, I didn't watch the full game, so I don't know how well they were moving the ball and if they would have had the opportunity to get down there, but you thought he should have gone for it right there. I said, hey, three timeouts, you kick a field goal, you had the two-minute warning, so in essence, you had four timeouts, but they never did get the ball back. Yeah, I think they should have. I think they should have went for it because either way, if you don't make the touchdown there, you still have to you know, make a stop on defense and you could still get the ball back with the three timeouts and the two-minute warning that you have. So why not take a shot at trying to tie the game because you might not get a chance to, you know, at least take the leader. Yeah. My whole point is this. My whole point is this. These coaches need some help. Are they too egotistical or people too scared to stand up to them? There needs to be some players that go over and say, hey, man, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Like, Justin Herbert needs to go to Staley and go, we're kicking this ball. What are you doing to me, man? Can't save you every week. Was there any bad head coaching decisions in that uh, Chargers game yesterday? Shut up. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're going to uh, hear now from our offensive game star, who, by the way, 
Uh, Morrow didn't practice today with the Riders. Neither did Godber, and uh, and neither did uh, Philip Blake. Blake didn't finish that game, so I know it's only day one, but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how it shakes down in BC. But Frankie Hickson has earned some more playing time after that game in Ottawa. Yeah, we got our offensive game star. Frankie, obviously not the results you wanted. Uh, talk about what's going through the locker room right now. Uh, we're just trying to stay together. Um, you know, this is a really close-knit team. Um, and we're a team that relies on one another um, for, for more than just, you know, the, the one of 12 and doing everything on the field. Like, we, we rely on each other for, for uh, support. And we're just trying to stay together right now. And, and I think we're doing a really good job of it so far. Man, it's been a grind for you, right? It's been up and down, but uh, today talk about how it felt, man, because you, you came out and you ran the ball really, really well in that first half. Yeah, I, uh, you know, God actually, you know, he gave me the opportunity. He he sat me down for a few weeks to to have a solo conversation with me, and, and uh, we got some things, uh, you know, together, and my mindset got a little bit better, and, and then... Um, you know, it was time to roll, and um, ultimately, you know, in pro sports, like every, you'll you'll get your chance at some point. But um, it's it's about what you do with it, and so that was that was all I tried to do is just uh, make God proud and make my family proud. Well, the other thing too, I mean, uh, you know, you, when you have been on the roster, but you haven't been the starting uh, tailback, you've been playing really, really well on specials. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what we do is uh, contribute, and, and that's all we want to do is whatever the coaches have asked us to do whatever our assignment is whoever our assignment is it's our job to dominate um and and whether that's me with the ball in my hand or me blocking or me uh returning whatever it takes you talk about the chess match they, they came out in that first series in the second half and you could tell they were going to load the box up they were going to send a run blitz at you on first down just to slow you down a little bit talk about your mentality how that switches because then obviously the when the game starts getting away you're, you're no longer in run the ball mode right I, I, like we said chess match and so it's, it's all about just um for for us matching energy and making sure that we you know don't just go with the flow that but we create the flow we create the energy create the spark um and and we we rely on our coaches to to give us the best game plan possible and um you know we trust in their game plan and we trust in them and just like they trust in us yeah i mean you've got a so you got a difficult road game coming up in bc uh the last four road games haven't gone your way at all talk about some of the dumb adjustments that that, that you think that you guys can make um, um to, to put a better effort out there on the road uh you know we're i think we're we're doing a great job with effort we're doing a great job job uh, with our mentality we're doing a great job with staying together and, and, and working you know sometimes things just don't go your way and and unfortunately what happens is when when things are going bad they kind of go downhill a little bit and kind of create uh, some momentum but all it is is just stopping that momentum and um, you know all it takes is one big win and, and then we're right back on track and everybody's talking about us again yeah there it is man yeah, so that's uh, Frankie Hickson, and he's absolutely right. People are laughing at me on Twitter, and oh, hey, I put my name out there, and I I'm not backing down from it. After they lost the or won the Labor Day Classic, they had beaten BC and Winnipeg, and I was like, this is a championship defense. They were winning it mostly with their defense, right, Zinger? Good special teams, competent quarterbacking, where he wasn't hurting us with turnovers, and since and so I picked them as the number two ranked team because literally power rankings is prisoner of the moment stuff. So I said no. That's exactly what it is. It's prisoner of the moment stuff. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, 
They're number two. But since then, they've absolutely crapped the bed. So here we go. Here's the power rankings. At number number nine, the Calgary Stampeders. Their offensive line is probably the worst in the CFL. It's not so much like Jake Mayer a bit, but it's not so much Jake Mayer. That offensive line is Swiss cheese. I thought they were to have like 12 wins this year. Yeah, that's what Mark Stevens said. They won't have 12 wins in two years with that offensive line. Riders are next at uh, eight. So the Dickinson boys are in the basement. Dave at nine. Riders at eight. I I can't say I'm you know I'm pretty disappointed with that. I thought the Riders would be, but I did pick the Riders at nine and nine at the start of the year with Trevor Harrison quarterback, and I still think there are two wins on the docket where they can uh, finish eight and ten. I got Edmonton at six. BC really handled Trey uh, Trey Ford. Hamilton at five. Taylor Powell came back down to earth. The Argos just dominated there. Four, I've got Le Montreal Alouettes. That was a big win in Calgary. Give Cody and the gang credit. That was a solid road victory for them to get to seven and seven. Did the Riders a favor. Too. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. So there's those teams and then a gap. A solid gap between two and three and then four through nine. At number three, the BC Lions. Uh, slightly behind the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And then at number one, there's a big gap between one and two. Um, Toronto is number one. You know, it's funny, and I I get called unprofessional by a lot of the for a lot of other fans. There's a certain, and I'm just I'm not going to use his name. You can find him. Certain Winnipeg Blue Bomber former player that's an announcer, and here's his simple tweet: Did they really lose to this quarterback and team last week? That tweet just drips with. Absolute arrogance. Stinky arrogance. It is unbelievable arrogance to tweet that out. I would. I, I've never done that. Crazy man. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Be back with our clutch performance, and we're going to hear from uh, Mr. Getzlaff, Ryan Getzlaff, who is in town for the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. 49. Double pass, double pass. He's going to throw down the sideline. Williams wide open. Mike Williams with the catch, and he'll walk in for the touchdown. Here comes Keenan Allen all the way around the side. Look at, you see when he bows that far back, he has to throw it backwards first. Be ready for all the stunts up front. Vikings rush five. Herbert to the sideline for Allen. Makes the catch. Keenan Allen with a first down. Herbert with a four-man rush in his face. Throws to the right side. Catch by Allen. Beautifully dropped in by Herbert. Third and seven. Pressure from Hunter. Herbert steps away. Finds Keenan Allen. Goes airborne for the first down. The ball popping out. Vikings bring it all on the quick slant to Allen. And Allen's got a first down. Veteran Chargers receiver Keenan Allen was an absolute unstoppable maestro yesterday against the Minnesota Vikings. He set a career high and franchise record with 18 receptions in the game for 205 yards. As the Chargers didn't charger it, even though their dumb coach Brandon Staley tried to throw the game away, they win it 28-24 over Minnesota to improve to 1-2. The Vikings go to 0-3. So... Keenan Allen, the beard, is our clutch performer for Nick's service at Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fed dealer. Give him a call, 781-1077. 
Yeah, and uh, I forgot to mention that he also had a touchdown pass. That first clip you heard, he threw a touchdown pass to Mike Williams. A little uh, hitch and go from two receivers, and he hit Mike Williams, who then hurt his knee later and is out for the year for the Chargers because the Chargers are made of glass. They always have injuries. Derwin James hurt his hamstring, and they played the Raiders. Thanks for beating them, the the Vikings. Yeah, we almost didn't. Okay, so... uh, Baseball is coming down the backstretch here, Zinger. And just before I get to kind of, I'm never going to profess to be a baseball expert, but just before I get to some of the potential matchups we could have, let's hear yesterday at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, one of the greatest Canadian ball players of all time, maybe next to Larry Walker or Mm -hmm. Ferguson Jenkins. How about um, Joey Votto uh, talking to the fans in Cincinnati? For for you to uh, stop me in the track, uh, stop me in my tracks, stop the game, it means a great deal to me. So uh, thank you. You, you. You almost had me crying. cry you know like there's no crying in baseball and um no it it, 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 it truly i'm speechless and it, it meant so much uh that moment was really special to me i um i you know it's a good win, good team win today. That's what we're here for, to give you that. We're going to fight all the way to the very end of the season. This team is tenacious. This team is tenacious. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how badly this team wants to play for you all. They love it here. They love representing this city. And I've been able to do it for 17 years. What a tremendous honor so far. And uh, five more games to go, we're going to try to give it to you. So it's Stay with us. Uh, We will. We'll fight to the very end. So thank you so much. Thank you. Without being too dramatic, what was it like at least your last at bat in this game? Base hit. I was, I was, you know, I got to do my job. <laughs> I gotta do my job. So, um, in, in in my head, I was just up there competing. It's what I've wanted to do since I was a little boy. It's what I'm doing as a little boy adult. You know, um, it's all it's all I want to do. I, I love to compete. I wake uh, in anticipation of of that first pitch in the game. I, I love it. I can't tell you how much I love what I do, and I can't tell you how much it means to play in front of. Everyone here in Cincinnati, as a Red, what a gift. Awesome that he gets to address the crowd. Joey Votto, great ball player. Okay, let's get to it, Zinger. This time next week, the playoff field will be officially set. Uh, What if the regular season ended today, though? If it did, Baltimore and Texas would get first-round buys in the American League, with the Twins winning the Central and the Jays, Tampa, and Houston locking up wild cards. Now, we know they're still to be played, but we're just going on the premise that it ends today. 
In the National League, the Braves and Dodgers would have buys, the Brewers winning the Central, the Diamondbacks, Phillies, and Cubs playing in the wildcard round. The third-seeded Twins would play the Astros, the Rays would take on the Jays. In the AL wildcard round, the Brewers would play the Cubs, and the Phillies would play the Diamondbacks in the NL. So here we go. Astros at Twins, winner to play the Rangers. I'm going to pick, I think, the Twins. Beat the Astros, and the Twins have actually played the Rangers well. I think the Twins could knock off the Rangers. That's my that's my way out there in the American League. I got, I've got the. Let's be honest. Toronto did squat in thirteen meetings with Baltimore this season. They just beat the Rays two or three, but Baltimore and Tampa have been one two the whole year in so the you, American you pick League. Twins beat the Astros. Did I hear that right? Twins over the Astros. Okay. And then the Twins beat the Rangers. Okay. And then I've got the Blue Jays losing to the Rays. Because I think the Rays would be a better matchup for the Orioles. Mm, I see. Okay. And I think the I think the Orioles would beat the Rays there. I got the so the Cubs at Brewers, winner to play the Dodgers. I think uh with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. That's a trio that can eat up a lot of innings for the Brewers. I got the Brewers beating the Cubs and the Brewers beating the Dodgers because the Dodgers and the Braves are fading with their starting pitching. A lot of injuries with the Dodgers and the Braves starting pitching. And that's that could hurt them. They've been the one-two teams all the way through in the National League. And Diamondbacks at the Phillies. Yes, it's been a nice story, Diamondbacks, but I got the Phillies beating the Diamondbacks, and then I got the Phillies beating the Braves. Wow. Do you agree or disagree with any of those? Well, I'm just trying to think here. So it, That's if it ended today. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. The Cubs the Cubs would play the Milwaukee Brewers. Yes. And the, the winner to play the Dodgers. Is that the way it works? Yes. It's it's just a a set bracket. Yes, if it ended today, this is how it would go. And then Diamondbacks and Phillies winner to play the Braves. Yeah, see I don't I don't know if I like that. I think I rather would like, you know, the lowest seed playing the highest well, seed. Well, it sucks, stuff. but that's not how it works. That's how it works. The Jays it's were probably Probably better off playing the Twins in the first round. No, they were better what, off squeaking in that's if that's what, what happened. That's what I uh, I talked to Ben Wagner about. I think maybe last week. Mm. You know, it's like Jays fans should want to you know finish in the last wild card. Yeah, you don't want to play the Rays. You want to play the the uh, Twins. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's how I got to go. I don't think the Jays will. I, I, I know some people say oh, I'm worried about the Jays. No, I'm not worried about. It. I don't think the Jays get. It's by so the race. it's so hard to predict Major League Baseball playoffs because yeah. like literally anybody can can win. This is it's just crazy. Hey, this is right down your alley because tonight you like putting the, the 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 wife and the son to bed, and can you watch Seattle and Houston tonight? That's a late Pacific Coast start. That, that should is be a good right, one. that is right up my alley. I mean. First comes first, though we got two NFL games tonight. So <laughs> the late one, the later one, starts at six fifteen. So that one will be over at about nine fifteen, yeah. and then I can pick up with the baseball afterwards. So maybe being like the fourth, fifth inning by then. Oh yeah, I got my. I'm good. You're good. I'm good, baby. You're good. Yep. Uh, this is the Sports Cage. We'll be back with more on six twenty CKRM. Sports ticker time for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. All you have to do is give them a call at 781-2090. The Regina Pats started off the season with a nice couple back-to-back games over the weekend. 2-0 on 
Friday night, the fun started as the Pats won a thriller in overtime in Brandon. 7-6 to six was the final score. Then the Pats home opener on Saturday night. The regiment took down the Saskatoon Blades in a rematch of last year's playoff series. Well, this time around, the Pats won 5-1 to one the final score. So Brad Haroff's team looking pretty good to start the campaign. The Pats welcome the Moose Jaw Warriors to the Brant Center on Wednesday night for a 7 p.m. puck drop on 620 CK. KRM. Two Monday nighters to look forward to tonight in the National Football League. Which one do you want to watch? Got a battle of undefeated teams. The Eagles taking on the Buccaneers in Tampa at 5:15, and the other game, a rematch of the Super Bowl from a few years ago. The Bengals look for their first win of the season. They welcome the L.A. Rams to Cincy for a 6-15 kickoff. Now, I know you had somebody on from the Wenatchee Wild when you were hosting for me uh, this year. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, Yeah. Kevin Constantine was hired as the head coach in July there. Apparently, the WHL is going to issue a statement soon about an incident believed to involve him. So I'm not sure what that's all about. That's as vague as it could be, but uh, that's uh, supposed to be... uh, Coming out here. That's not an ideal way to start a new era. It's kind of what happens when you recycle old coaches, though, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's your sports ticker. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. I think almost anybody's power rankings doesn't live in Manitoba or look at things through blue and gold goggles will put Toronto at one and Winnipeg at two in the CFL power rankings. BC at three, that's how I have it. Four, Montreal, five, Hamilton, six, Edmonton, seven, Ottawa, eight, Saskatchewan, nine, Calgary. Uh, The Bombers have opened as three-point favorites over the Argos in this week's Grey Cup rematch at IG Field, their first meeting since the Argos upset them in the Grey Cup here last November 24th at Mosaic Stadium. Uh, It's probably the right odds because Winnipeg, it's always tough to go in there, but, oh, I... Are you with me, Zinger? I just want to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers get absolutely pumped by the Argos. I think this game will go a long way as far as determining maybe who's going to be the MOP. Uh, the, you, you got Chet Killy, you got Zach Kalaris going at never it. Mind, never mind that. You got uh, the other guy, Brady Oliveira, in the backfield who is in the running. Uh, who, who will Toronto dress? Will they dress all their guys for this slobber knocker of a game? I hope so. Anyway, that's your Take C- up to the woodshed. Take them behind the woodshed for a spanking. That's your CFL report. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. We got Coach Craig Dickinson at 5.05 live to get his thoughts on the first day of practice and what happened in Ottawa the last two weeks, actually. And, uh... Then we'll hear from Ryan Getzlaff before 5.30. He was in town this past weekend as one of those inducted into the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. For a guy that had so many accomplishments in his career, both uh, junior hockey, NHL, Stanley Cup winner, Olympic gold medalist, uh, this is ranking right up there for him, he says, as he uh, had a chance to sit down with our own Blaine Wyland on the weekend. Um, Okay, so... I got this tweet at The Real Ballsy before we get to our next guest, Keith Willoughby. It's from David Smith, who's a Bombers fan. I think he's a Bombers fan. Hold on. He he might not be. 
Or he's a Riders fan. Maybe he's a Riders fan in Winnipeg. That's what it is, because he's a Jets fan. But he's a Riders fan in Winnipeg. He says, I think the Riders are underperforming due to coaching. Do you agree? To which I'm going to respond this way. I don't think you can totally say that. Now, I think they've underperformed Zinger the last two weeks miserably after, you know, well, the last three weeks. They beat BC here. They beat Winnipeg here. Then they really sucked against Winnipeg. Came back here. Tough game against a uh, you know, an exciting team in, in Edmonton, but they should have won that game. Then they went to Ottawa and absolutely laid an egg on the road again. So the last two or three weeks, for sure, they've been underperforming. But they are. Let's do a reality check here. They are on their third quarterback. The O-line has been a revolving door with all these injuries. Two more guys down again. Godber and um, Blake didn't practice today. Okay. So, and then you have D-line issues. And they're getting gashed now, over 700 yards in the last three games. Some of it is scheme, some of it is effort, a lot of it is injury. So, I picked them at 9-9 and at the start of the year with Trevor Harris when I thought the QB1 would be healthy. I didn't think they were world beaters, but I thought they could get into the playoffs. They're in the driver's seat for the playoffs. So, maybe it's not, like, I don't like how they got here in terms of what they've done the last three weeks. But they're still in the mix. Call me green glasses guy, but they're still in the mix. So I don't know. You could totally say it's because of coaching. Just two wins towards a Grey Cup appearance. West semi, West final, Grey Cup, baby. That's all it takes is literally two wins because the Riders are going to finish in third place. Well, they have to win that game in Calgary for sure. That's the one that matters. This one in BC matters to get to stop the bleeding, but the one in Calgary absolutely matters. Just two wins, baby. Okay, this guy's waiting patiently on the phone. He joins us every Monday. He is our dean on the show. He's the dean of the Edwards School of Business. He is uh, the CFL simulations guy here first and then on the CFL.ca. He just came back from an analytics, a sports analytics conference in Boston. How exciting was that, Keith Willoughby? Ballsy, it was fantastic to sort of be at the nucleus of a lot of cool analytics that are going on at Harvard and MIT to really see some of the the, the focus that's that's happening there. It was it was pretty incredible to be immersed in that uh, all day on Saturday. So tell us, give us a give us a nugget. Like what would what what made it exciting for a sports nerd with a personality like you? <laughs> I think what made it exciting is the way that some of the uh, the analytics. Um, individuals are really connecting with sports teams and with sports uh, franchises. Obviously, a lot of Boston influence at the conference with the Bruins and the Patriots, but also how they're really trying in a sport of football to identify what's the contribution that an individual player makes to to a game, to a team, to an overall franchise. I think that's really impressive to see because we've seen it often in baseball where you can try to dissect what's the... uh, the wins above replacement value, that war value that's often used in analytics. But to see it now being used in football, which is a very fluid sport, to me is uh, pretty incredible what they're doing. Yeah, so some, I don't know, you know, whether it be um, your guts or your, uh, your, you know, your internal uh, thoughts, you know, as opposed to analytics or analytics. I don't know if you're in agreement or not. I don't know how much you caught of the game on Friday or not. But the Rough Riders have just given up an interception that was returned down to the six. One play later, Ottawa scores. They get a two-point convert. 16 seconds left. Riders have the ball deep in their territory. 
and instead of eating it, they go to throw again, and another fumble from Jake Dolagala. Uh, you got to analytics or just uh, you know your intuition. You just got to eat it and go to the dressing room, don't you? I think it's plain common sense uh, in terms of what you do in that situation. Now, I didn't see that part of the game. I did. I was able to watch it. Uh, thank you, Air Canada, for putting live TV on some flights. So I saw most of the first quarter as we uh, before we landed into Boston. There with the uh, the Riders with that initial seven zero lead after the Shaker Baker touchdown. Uh, but you make a really good point as I was watching the highlights later on and sort of following the flow of the game. To me, you, you've, you've, you've got to, in, in that situation, I, I know you want to create a, you know, it's a whole risk-reward, but I tell you, the risk is pretty consequential when you saw what happened with the Riders at the end of the first half. Saw Trevor Harris warming up on the sidelines, running back and forth in his gym uh, uh, shorts and a shirt, and uh, said he's feeling good. He's not making a prediction, but he was moving around pretty good out there, but that's kind of like kicking field goals against air in pregame warm-ups when people say, oh, he hit from 60 in pregame warm-ups. I mean, it's not a true apples-to-apples comparison. But if you could ever get QB1 back for the playoffs, look out. I think this team could do something. Now, (laughs) unbelievably, Keith, we have soiled the sheets the last three weeks, but it really hasn't dented the Rough Riders' playoff hopes. Um, So uh, what is your computer saying? The computer says maybe this is the, the silver lining that all Rider fans want to hear. It's like we're in a beauty contest here with the Elks and the Stampeders, and they're uglier than us. (laughs) <laughs> so the, uh, the 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 model right now is, and and you made a point, Ballsy, that you know the Riders need to win the Friday the Thirteenth game in Calgary. I, I say no, because the, right now the model is only predicting Calgary to win one more game. It's predicting them to lose in Hamilton, then beat us, and then losses to BC and Winnipeg. So they're going to get five wins. I'm not saying we're guaranteed to make the playoffs, but right now the computer is putting us at an 83 percent chance of making the playoffs, only because Calgary and Edmonton are tanking terribly in this turtle race that is for the third position in the Western Division. Yeah, but that's the thing, man. You don't want to go in. The, you got to get some momentum going here. You got to. So I think they do have to win that game for sure in in Calgary, so that it's like we're we're at least trying to kick down the door and make it to the playoffs. I, I know what you're saying, but I want to win that game in Calgary. Hell, I want to win every game. Uh, I don't know about this Friday though. Last time they were in there, Keith, it was a ten point defeat. Mason Fine was the quarterback. Uh, it was his first start uh, this season. He was trying to figure it out. I think it was his first start this season, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it was right, was right there, and he couldn't uh, really maneuver the riders into the scoring zone, uh, despite the fact he was gifted a lot of short fields. But BC, they've clinched the playoff spot, and they can clinch a home playoff game with a win here. I think you make a good point for this upcoming uh, week's uh, game in BC on the 29th against the Lions. It's a situation where the riders, they, they need to, to rally the ship and, and write the things that have been happening that have been poor since, well, since the Labor Day Classic. Uh, I will say again, not that I want to look forward too much to, to October against Calgary, but I will say that we are perfect this season in the province of Alberta. So if nothing else, we own Alberta. <laughs> well, we might as well. A lot of people move there. Uh, what's the... I, I'm curious, uh, just to kind of put a a uh, devious smile on my face. It, have you ran the simulations of the Riders getting a <gasps> home playoff game? Uh, right now, it's interesting. The model does... Uh, it looks at 100,000 replications of the remaining part of the season. Unbelievably, out of those 100,000 simulations, there was one, count at one time, 
when the Riders ran the table and the Lions lost the remaining games, that's the only path right now by which the Riders could host a playoff game. If BC was to go on the schneid and we ran the table, again, crazy things have happened, but hey, let's take it one game at a time. We need to go back to doing what we did when we had the momentum in late August, early September after those two impressive wins over BC and uh, Winnipeg. So uh, before I get to my last point, um, what are our chances of going to the Grey Cup according to your Commodore 64? Commodore 64, about 2,001. So it's a, it's a pretty pretty slim odds that we're going to win the Grey Cup. Obviously, the computer model loves Winnipeg, loves Toronto. Looking again, they're on a collision course. And BC as well. It has a lot of faith in the lines. But again, hey, all I need is a chance. Again, everybody here remembers what happened in 1989 even 1997 that's we where i was going that's where i was that's where i was going keith this kind of has it doesn't have an 89 feel to it i i, I want to say that team was on better footing but nobody expected this uh in 97 with once again another special teams head coach and jim daly and they 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 were uh underachieving i think they were an 8 and 10 team and they went and won two games on the road to get to the great cup exactly the 97 basically on uh, Calgary and Edmonton, who we defeated in the playoffs, had no answer for Reggie Slack. And so, again, we've seen this happen before in the CFL, and especially with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, I, I know uh, I was frustrated after the Friday game, the, the debacle in the nation's capital, uh, but I'm really hoping that uh, we can battle through the injuries and restore the psyche that is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders because it, I, I want to ensure that uh, as we go into October – do we have meaningful games in the schedule for the Riders? Do you think talent... How do I put this? Like, do you think the Riders are talented enough to be consistent? Like, do you think a lack of... Do you think inconsistency is directly correlated to talent and depth? Because this team will start the game well sometimes, or won't start the game well, or lets games get away from them as it goes along. Like, they haven't put together 60 minutes, and that's really... That's a really... Uh, big head scratcher and disappointment to me, but maybe they're not good enough to put together 60 minutes. No, to me, to me they've got the talent. Come on, like, they, these are professional players. They're collecting a paycheck for playing football, so they are professionals. But I often wonder if it's the emotional side of being an athlete. Again, I can't speak from experience here, but I just wonder if there's sort of the emotions that go into play that you start the game really well, and then once some things happen to slide you realize, oh no, here we go again, and it's like you and me taking a first-year calculus course again at the university. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Um, well, it's going to be very interesting, man. Can't wait to see uh, what happens. Are you are you surprised Winnipeg's a three-point favorite at home over Toronto? I don't think that's a terrible line, but uh, people just don't want to admit the Argos are the best team in the league. Uh, that's the Vegas line, I believe. Uh, the uh, computer model has the Argos favored by two. So it's giving the nod to the Argos to go into Winnipeg and defeat the Bombers on the road. Uh, the Argos, they're a complete team. You know, they're doing it offense, defense, special teams. And I know for the past couple of years, we've really looked down at the East. But, hey, Toronto, they're 12-1 and for a reason. Uh, they're doing the things they need to to emerge as the clear favorite right now across the Canadian Football League. Well, uh, it'll be... Um... One to one worth watching on Fridays. The Riders take on the BC Lions. Our coverage begins at five thirty. Pre-game show is at five thirty. Sports cage for two and a half hours before then, and the kickoff at eight thirty. Thanks for your time, Keith. I appreciate it. 
You bet. Go Riders. All right. Yeah, Keith Willoughby, Dean of the Edwards School of Business, and our Dean here on the Sports Cage. You can keep the uh, the text coming, 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. All right, uh, Jake Dolagala had two touchdown passes, two interceptions, and two fumbles. I erroneously gave him a third interception, but to me that wasn't an interception. To me, a fumble's when it hits the ground. It was kind of a bang-bang play zinger as a post, a skinny post from the right side of the formation. Tevin Jones makes the catch, and then he got... He got popped, I believe, by Howell, if I'm not mistaken. The ball goes up in the air and Danbridge gets it. But either way, it was a turnover. So it wasn't a banner night for Jake Dolagala in the uh, loss. And uh, I know he's 2-3 and as a starter and he wants to perform much better. Uh, here's what Jake had to say. Um, we just go back to work, right? I think we did a good job of that today. Um, take it one day at a time, one rep at a time. Um, just focus on getting 1% better and improving. Does the change in the sort of practice schedule, the, the routine, help at all? Or, or what does that do with the club? Um, well, we talked about the definition of insanity. Um, so, yeah, switching it up a little bit, I think, you know, might help. Um, but I think we got really good work in today. More of a mental day, but um, it was really solid. Was there any major takeaways when you watched back the film against Ottawa from Friday's game? Was there anything that really stood out to you? We just didn't play well enough. That was it. What do you take into this weekend against BC and what their defense shows you guys? We've played them a few times now. Yeah, we played them a few times. Uh, I think we had a good game plan going into both those games. Um, feel good about this week, too. Um, you know, obviously they're pretty hot right now. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, we just got to find a way to win. Um, no matter how, how it looks, if it's pretty, if it's not, um, we just got to find a way. Jake, can you look at the previous game against BC as an example of how the team can spin out of a bit of a slide with a right. pretty yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I still don't think that was our best game that we, we could play. Um, but yeah, you know, we can beat really good teams in this league. Um, we have the weapons. We When we play as a unit, when we play together, um, we're tough to beat. So we just got to do that this week. How long ago does that game against BC feel like in the in the career of, of yourself that you started? Um, feels like a minute, right? And, I mean, shoot, we had the bye week after that, and now it's been a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, feels like a minute, but, you know, you look back on it, and they're still doing the same thing on defensively. So, um, feel good about it. How much do you think you've grown and then projected upwards since then? Um, a lot, yeah. You know, like I said before, each each opportunity you get, you're going to learn from, you're going to grow. Um, so, the you know, the more I'm out there, the more the more comfortable I feel, and, um, you know, the better the better I feel out there, yeah. Last year when this team kind of felt like it fell apart toward the end of the season, you obviously weren't the starting quarterback, but now that you are the leader of this team, how do you help that or stop it, I guess, from happening again? Um, I wouldn't say we need to stop anything. I mean, we just got to get back on track. You know, it's it's uh, it's a tough league to win games in, no matter who you're playing. Um, so we just got to focus on ourselves, <clears throat> execute, and... Um, yeah, turn this thing around. 
just last game in Ottawa there, Frankie and, and the run game was having a lot of success. Unfortunately, you kind of had to go away from it because he got down, right? How, how important is that going into this, this BC game, that, that balance and getting that running game on track? Uh, it's going to be huge. Um, you know, Frankie's been really, running really, really hard. Um, proud of him for that. And, you know, we'll see what's going on with J-Mo. I haven't talked to him yet today. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, up front, they were, they were getting a great push. Frankie was running hard. And, you know, we hope to continue that because it just it frees everything else up. Our play action, you know, down the field shots. It's it's really good when you can get the run game going. Jake, this is off topic, but a couple weeks ago when Trevor was in here, he said you're a phenomenal golfer. Uh, are you the best golfer on the team? Have you played with the other guys? Or I wouldn't say you- I'm phenomenal. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't know. Adam, our kicker, Korzak, he beat me yesterday, so <laughs> it's not a great way to start the week, but <laughs> yeah. We got a couple good guys, a lot of a lot of golfers on this team. It's fun. Jake Dolagala, in good spirits there at the end. That's good. Got to remember they're humans too. I want to say this though. One one, uh, I got a uh, a tweet at the real ballsy. Hey, don't you think the Riders would be better off with a an experienced offensive coordinator? I don't know that you can totally critique what Kelly Jeffrey's done with what he's had to work with. Uh, There have been some interesting calls, and he's even admitted he's made personally to me and on the air that he has made mistakes, but who hasn't made mistakes? I will say this, though. I thought they got away from the running game too early. I know I know Montreal really locked it down to start the second half, but they were still in that game. Then when it got carried away, they had to move away from it. Anyway, keep the text coming. 936-6262 for the Capital Auto Group. When we come back after 5 o'clock, we head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, speak with Coach Craig Dickinson. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. Coach, you uh, thanks for joining us here. By the way, the uh, show, Craig Dickinson Show, brought to you by our friends at McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience, mcdougalauction.com. And all our guests, like Coach Craig Dickinson, come to you on the Western Pizza Hotline. Take a slice out of your September schedule. Let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. Talk of the NFL world yesterday, 70-20. to 20, Sean Payton and the Broncos got absolutely smoked by the uh, Miami Dolphins. You were just recently on a sideline where the game got away from you. I know you said you, you really don't dwell on the score when the game's going on. How do you block that out, though? Because what could go wrong does go wrong, right? Yeah, I think at some point you do look at the scoreboard, Michael, and you think, oh boy, we gotta we got to stop the bleeding, so to speak. So I'm sure... That Denver staff was was embarrassed by that. I know a couple of the guys on the on that staff, and I'm sure um, I'm sure they're working pretty hard uh, this week to try to put that one behind them. But you know, you got to give Miami credit. That's a loaded team, and they look like they're just playing uh, completely in sync right now. Okay, coach. So you you're about you're the same record you were last year at this time, and you've said from day one this is a different team. It, it, and I and I actually believe it's a different team. Like I'm around this team lots. I feel like it's a better team than last year, and not just on the field, but on the plane, uh, in the hotel, on the bus, around the facility. But the the record's still the same. How how do you explain that? Well, I I don't really have a good answer for you. Um, we haven't won as many as we should, and we've lost a few more than we should. So 
the record's the same. The, the the guys on the team are different. The coaching staff's different. And hopefully at the end of the year, our record this year will be better than it was last year. Yeah, you were talking um, with Luke Mullender after the game, Coach, and you were talking about um, you know uh, conditioning and, and guys kind of wearing down. What are you seeing in that aspect? Is it just guys like, you know, because of the injuries, you're having to put new guys in there and maybe they're not up to game shape? Or what are you seeing there in that aspect when you say something like that, Coach? Well, I guess feel like, um, you know, We've got a few new faces out there, and and I just don't don't know if if in the CFL if if you can practice hard enough to simulate what the game's really like. So, um, unfortunately, a couple of those new new players really got tired as the game went on. But we're working hard this week to try to take a little bit off their legs. Today was a different day, Michael. We actually had um, probably. 20 less reps than we normally would do on a day one, and we really tried to take care of their legs. So we're trying to get them as fresh as we can to the game. We feel like we've got enough practice in where we know the basic stuff of our offense, defense, and kicking game, and we can take a few reps off them um, in, in order to try to hopefully get to the game with fresher legs. Okay, Coach, um, you've strategically, uh, I've noticed, done something a bit different. You've moved your meetings. Uh, usually I think you have the uh, meetings at the start, but now you kind of flip them after practice. Is there a reason for that, Coach? Yeah, we felt like we needed to watch practice immediately after practice. And we, for many years, have been doing it the next day. Uh, the players usually go home and watch it themselves, of course, and then they come in. But we just felt like as coaches, we could better coach by making corrections right away. And the way we make corrections right away is to watch it with them immediately after practice. So we moved everything up, Michael, and try to get our practice going earlier so we can finish earlier and then hopefully get about a half an hour with them to watch the film. Yeah. The one thing about the CFL that people don't, well, they may realize it, but and we've talked about it, but we kind of gloss over it. Is you guys? It's not like the NFL or even like a, a Division One college football. Like you're there all day, basically. If you don't have class, you're back there at the facility. In, in the NFL, yeah. they got you all day. They, you yeah. don't have them all day here. So if you're going to be a professional football player in the CFL, you have to be a disciplined uh, athlete. Yeah, you do, and and you have to put some time in on your own off the field, and and I think our guys do that. I really do, but uh, you're correct. You know, you don't have a chance to go over everything with them as a coach. You hope that they watch some of it on their own, and then uh, and then you go from there. But that's uh, we're trying our best to use that four and a half hours as efficiently as we can each and every day. Coach, what are you seeing uh, on your run defense side of things? I had said after this uh, the Winnipeg Labor Day game I thought, holy cow, this is a championship winning defense. I had you number two in my power rankings and then that's how fast things can change. That's kind of what I've been preaching too. As, as quickly as you can rise to the top, you can sing to the bottom in this league, save for maybe a couple of teams. So I, I still, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but definitely there's a big red flag when it comes to stopping the run. You guys have been gashed the last three weeks. Yeah, and you have to you have to be able to stop the run because if you don't, um, you know teams are going to just keep hitting you with it. So we've worked pretty hard uh, this the last three days. You know we had the two days off and then today to try to make sure we do a good job of gap cancellation, getting enough people to the run. And we've, uh, you know, we've incorporated some run fits at the beginning of practice to try to help us there. But the other thing is we're going to, you know, you got to have good defensive line that can take two blocks once in a while. And so we're going to continue to 
work on stopping the run. That's, I know, a big priority for our defensive coaches. That's a big priority for me because if you can't stop it, you're just going to see it more and more and more. And that's something we know we got to step up and do a better job against. Coach, uh, injury-wise, uh, Godber kind of limped through that game. He didn't practice today. We know Jamal Morrow didn't play and he didn't practice today. And Philip Blake didn't finish that game. Is there any updates on any of those guys? We're hopeful to get them all back, um, but none of them practiced today. All three were out today, but um, all three are able to able to practice as tolerate tomorrow. So we'll see we'll see how they do and go from there. Coach uh, Hickson ran like his hair was on fire. He always does. I thought he had a he had a pretty good uh, game. At least the first half he did. Now you guys can't run the ball when you're down as much as you want, but you, you were still in the game at, you know, just after half. Uh, I felt like you got away from the run, but maybe I didn't see schematically what Ottawa was doing. Can you help me out there? Yeah, I, I think you're right, but part of it was, was what Ottawa was doing. They were doing a really good job of, of bringing people into the box, and if you notice, they were they were blitzing us. They were playing a lot of pressure early, mm. early in the down sequence. So first down, we were seeing seven man boxes, and you can't you can run against it, but it's hard. So uh, we've talked about it as a staff, um, and we anticipate BC doing something similar against us. And we got to have some answers because if you're going to get seven in the box, you got to be able to protect and beat them downfield. Because it is hard to run when you got you know when you're going against blitz, and that's what they're doing. Coach, you're darned if you do, and you're darned if you don't. Uh, you guys had an interception that was a football play by them. They score a touchdown. You have it with about 16, 18 seconds to go, and you elect to keep putting your uh, your foot on the pedal. In hindsight, and that's always twenty twenty. Would you have maybe just uh, eaten it and gone to the locker room? Because I know it was only a three point add on there for Ottawa, but it seemed like a huge momentum swing there at the end. Yeah. I don't think so because we practice that so much. Um, you know, if we're at the thirty-yard line, Michael, I'm taking a knee. If we're at the, even the thirty-five, I'm probably taking a knee. But we're at the forty-five, I believe, and all we need is about fifteen yards, and we can kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just felt like, you know, I'm certainly counting on my quarterback to be smart, and uh, I felt like he just—he probably got a little sloppy with the ball. If he feels pressure and he takes a sack, he takes a sack, and we just take a knee and move on from there. We just can't have a turnover. So, um, in hindsight, I probably would do the same thing, and I'd, I'd just hope that uh, you know we can protect a little better, and that if our quarterback felt pressure, he just tucks the ball the ball away and you know takes a sack. Yeah, coach, that's the one thing about Jake Dolagala. I mean, interceptions are going to happen. They happen, right? They happen to the best of them. Uh, the one thing that is maybe a little concerning is. Uh, protecting the football in a crumbling pocket because I think he has six fumbles and two have gone back for touchdowns. Uh, that is kind of a little uh, disturbing there. Yeah, he's got to do a better job, and we've talked to him about it. And um, he knows, our coaches know, and that's something, something we've drilled, we're going to drill this week. We didn't do it today because today was mm-hmm. more of a mental day, but we're going to drill it. And, we gotta got to emphasize it. He's got to do a better job of protecting that football. Coach, I, I, I sent a text to your... Um, Special teams coordinator Kent Majuri after the game, uh, you know, because there's a lot of doom and gloom. But I thought the special teams, uh, you know, have been buttoned up in the last uh, little bit. Yes, uh, last game they were good. Uh, Alfred had the nice return at the end, but uh, the onside kick was a, a nifty thing there. Nice little uh, play by Korzak. Uh, yeah, I, I like some of those uh, plays that you guys draw uh, yeah, drawn Kent, up. Kent Majuri's our special teams coach. He does a nice job. Um, 
we didn't play up to our standard in the Ottawa game, especially our punt team. Our punt team knows we need to do better. Um, but overall, I'll tell you what, I I feel very comfortable with him running the special teams. He does a great job. All right, uh, Coach, I think that's all I got for you right now. We'll, uh, we'll let you go. And, uh, hey, um, it's a short the, – the best thing about football is it's a week-to-week league. You get to rinse and uh, hopefully do better. And, and like you guys always try to say, 1-0. and I guess my last question would be, what is your message this week for the guys? You know, I'm actually not even going to talk about wins and losses this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be basically talk about we need to improve. So that was the message today, 1% better. And what, what are we going to do to get 1% better, each one of us? And hopefully if all of us get 1% better as a team, we can get 5 or 10% better. And I'm, I'm hoping we just focus on that because I've worked really hard the last month to, to, to really paint the picture of where we're at in the playoffs, what we need to do to get to where we need to. And honestly – it just hasn't hit home with the guys. So I'm going to change my approach and we're going to, we're going to turn the motivation a little more inward and just try to play our best football and let the score take care of itself. And I think that's 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 actually leads me into one more thing I wanted to bring up. Consistency has been the issue with this team. Like you either start well or you come back or it just it hasn't been a full 60 minutes. I can't remember this year. You've 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 made plays when you've had to. You've had teams down big and then they've come back. What, what do you think the challenge is with that consistency, coach? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, uh, we we keep working on it. Yeah, um, it's it's not from lack of effort. Uh, I think you got to give the other teams some credit for maybe making adjustments and and uh, doing a good job of, of of you know adjusting to what we're doing. But I think for the most part, we've started off fairly quickly. I mean, even in that Winnipeg game that we got blown out, we scored first. Um, but we haven't we haven't been able to maintain it. So. Um, Maybe maybe our conditioning, although I still don't feel that's an issue. But I think I think we got to we got to do a good job of getting them off the field and and uh, giving our offense shorter fields on special teams and and just continuing to push our guys to play as hard as they can for as long as they can. So we'll keep keep working, ballsy, and and then see how we do. But I, I know this much: we got a good group that likes to practice, likes to come to the office and work, and uh, they give us everything they got. Coach, thanks for always joining us each Monday. We'll see you out at the practice field, and let's go get him in BC. Thanks, you, mom. Thanks, my man. Take care. That's Coach Craig Dickinson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline for McDougal Auctioneers. We'll be back. We'll hear from Ryan Getzlaff in a moment. Update you on the NFL scores. They're underway in Tampa, Philly, and the Buccaneers. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Philly and Tampa from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Is it still called Raymond James? The big pirate ship in the end zone? Have you ever been to that one, Zinger? I've never been to that one. No, never been to Florida. Ever. Ever. Hey, by the way, you want to go to Florida and watch the Florida Panthers, Dallas Stars, Florida Panthers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and Monday Night Football with the most exciting team in the NFL right now through three weeks, the Miami Dolphins against the Tennessee Titans who got their butts handed to them by the Brownies yesterday, 27-3. to You can join us, the ultimate sports trip to courtesy of CAA Travel and your friends here at the Sports Cage. $2,799 gets you airfare, gets you accommodations, a breakfast every morning, gets you tickets. To the um, Dallas Florida Panthers, Dallas Pit or uh, Florida Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Monday Night game, uh, 
and transportation to it from the airport and hotel and between the airport and the games. Plus, we got a good party, a great party, actually. Not good, great. Right at the stadium uh, during the Dallas-Florida hockey game. 2799 bucks, but this isn't going to last. We've got nine seats left out of either Saskatoon or Regina. Hit up Terry Kazis or go into any of the uh, CAA offices in Saskatchewan and sign up. Please do so, okay? All right. Let us hear from our own Blaine Weiland, who was in conversation with Ryan Getzlaff, who was in town last week, one of those who was inducted into the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. It's incredible. I mean, this is, uh, you know, something that's got a long history here in Saskatchewan, and um, just being part of it, it's very humbling and uh, a real honor. Uh, what did the province mean in terms of, you know, your earliest stage of your career, in terms of your upbringing, in terms of your athletic career? Well, I think it, you know, it sets the stage for, for the rest of your life when you grow up in sports and in a, in one, a single community. Um, I was able to play, uh, whether it be football, baseball, hockey, everything right here in, um, in Regina and the North End. And so uh, I learned a lot about com- competitiveness and, uh, and being able to show up for your teammates and all that kind of stuff. And it, all of it started right at the roots. Give you an idea how long I've been doing this. I asked your brother this question when he was playing with the Rough Riders. But what was it like having a you know competitive nature with your brother and you know playing a whole bunch of different sports? Yeah, I mean that's you know my brother was a huge part of my success in my life, and um, we've been able to support each other both on and off the field a lot. And, um, you know we grew up playing together, playing uh, you know out in the yard, or uh, we played football for a couple of years, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, you know, to have a brother like that um, who was very successful in his own right um, was really great for us to, to grow up competing. And, um, you know, we had our moments, but uh, overall we, we grew into uh, best friends and were able to support each other. I got to ask, because my answer's got a little bit of irony with you, but what was the coldest rink you ever, do you remember a cold rink in Saskatchewan particular playing growing up? <laughs> Every small town rink out there, um, even the Staples where we spent a lot of practice time was freezing. I remember... Um, you know, we had practice at, you know, 7 a.m. before school a lot of times, so the rinks were pretty bitter cold in December then. The reason I say my answer is irony because I'd say Anaheim, Saskatchewan. You ever played in that one? It's two ends, and I'm from Humboldt. It's about 30 kilometers northeast. Oh, there. really? Yeah. I don't know if I ever played there. It's no. like a machine shack. It's like minus 40. Oh, there. really? Yeah. <laughs> Just maybe update yourself in terms of, you know, since your playing career has been done, what you've been up to lately? Yeah, we, uh, you know, I have four young kids, so uh, me and my wife decided to move our family to just outside Nashville in June here. So it's been a big transition for us. Um, we've been in Anaheim while well, my wife grew up there. Um, I've been there the last 18 years, so it's been a little bit of a change for us, but we're just uh, happy going. I drive my lawnmower and uh, I let the, you know, do my Uber driving after for the kids, so they're into all kinds of sports, so we spend a lot of time at the fields. Of course, you have a long list of accolades. I'm sure a lot of players would trade for the achievements you went through your career, but what points, you know, when you're growing up and playing hockey that you realize that, you know, this passion could be more than, you know, just a hobby. It could be something more. I get asked that a lot. Um, I don't know if there was ever a point. Um, I think that, you know, I grew up playing, enjoying what I was doing. Uh, I love to compete, um, whether it was at baseball, football, or hockey. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, when you get drafted to WHL, it became a little bit more of a reality that I was going to move away from home and, and pursue, you know, playing hockey. But even at that point, I don't think the NHL was ever in sight. Um, I wasn't a huge pick in the WHL. I think I was third round or something like that. Um, you know, and it just kind of grew from there. I, I, I rolled with it after that. And um, when the NHL 
um, draft came along and um, ended up getting drafted to Anaheim. It was uh, that was kind of the next step where I I said okay now I'm you know I'm going to go try and play professionally. So and just talk about your importance of maybe helping out you know other sports around the area. I know you guys were big in terms of helping out uh, this past season with the Regina Red Sox. Yeah, it's cool. I mean th- those are things that we're able to to do um, just based on um, the careers we've had and um, and the stature we have here in the city. So. Um, you know, baseball was big for me. I loved baseball growing up. I played for, you know, till I was 17, I think, uh, when I kind of had to make a choice. But, um, and, and Gary Brotzel, who's, who's been a big part of that for the Red Sox, um, was a coach of mine, both hockey and, and in baseball. So um, opportunity to do something like that was a lot of fun. What's it like walking the halls in a building like this where, you, you know, you have some connection as a youth, but now you need a little bit more, obvious more connection being an inductee? Yeah, it's cool. I, I've never been here before, so that was uh, um, kind of a cool thing to walk into and, and kind of see some of the history of Saskatchewan and sports and, um, you know, to be part of that is, again, both humbling and an honor. So I got to ask, since the playing career is done, you get more involved in, like, in terms of a fan, maybe in terms of the Rough Riders? <laughs> I still watch once in a while. Um, obviously, now that Chris is done, it's not a vocal point for us. But, um, you know, always been a, a fan of CFL football. And, and we get more and more of it in the States now, which is nice. All right. Um, that's Ryan Getzlaff in conversation with our own Blaine Weil. And coming up, we'll hear from Julio Caravada, the uh, color commentator of the BC Lions radio network, one of my favorite guys in the league, uh, Pat Chat and... We'll uh, get some more Rough Rider audio from practice. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And your sports ticker at 534 is brought to you by Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists, two games in the National Football League tonight. It's a doubleheader, but not really a doubleheader because both games will be overlapping one another as the Philadelphia Eagles are in Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium to take on the Buccaneers. Both teams are 2-0 and and right now 7-19 remaining in the first quarter. Still no score from the state of Florida. And at 6-15, that's the kickoff for the second game. The LA Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals tonight. The LA Rams are 1-1 and and the Bengals, they are looking for their first win of the 2023 campaign as they are off to a rough start with Joe Burrow. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Red Shana Pats, 620 CKRM. Dallas across to Berg. One-timer scores! Tanner Howe! Left point long holds the line. Midpoint, Charlie Wright across Keller. One-timer scores! Five hole on Kelt Pine. It's 1-1. A power play goal for Saskatoon. Now out to center, Samaremba. Off the wall. In over the line. He'll chase it. Get it to himself. Down low. He shoots. Stopped. Where's the puck? And how did that not go in? Gardner to play it aside, but he turned it over in front. Barnett shoots. Scores! And now Mateo Michaels grabs it, gets it to center, up the middle, Barnett, partial breakaway, to the back, and he scores! Barsic right point, Saunderson, snapshot off the end boards, in front of the net, it's loose, glove save, Kelton Pine, how about that one, holy smokes! 
Dishes it off to Hanson. Right side shoots and Pine gets a hold of that one. Behind the net, Ty Spencer. How up top, Vallis scores! Charlie right midpoint. Over to Wong, left side. He loads up and shoots. Stop. Rebound in front, cleared away by Leighton Feist, who's had a strong game. And now for the empty net, the Pats score! It's Braxton Whitehead going all the way down the ice. Regina begins the 2023-24 regular season 2-0, a 5-1 victory in the 2023 home opener over Saskatoon. We're now pleased to be joined with the, the man of the hour. Brayden Barnett will grab the headset from Evan McPheeters, and uh, he'll join us post-game following a huge, huge uh, 5-1 victory over the Saskatoon Blades in the Pats home opener. Brain, thanks for taking the time. Congratulations on those two goals. Uh, I guess take us through your emotions post-game after, uh, I guess, probably one of your better games that you've played as a Pats. Well, obviously, I'm just really happy for the guys and the way we played, and just, you know, it's a new system for some of us and a few new guys out there, but I thought we played a really great game. And my second question, Logan Nyhoff right here played with you when you were a call-up and maybe in a couple of training camps. Logan, what's it like to, to see him do what he's doing right now at 19? Yeah, it's awesome. I said it even in the, in the first intermission there before he scored his goals, how hard he was on the forecheck and how, how hard it looked to play against him. So obviously I'm, I'm very impressed with this game and uh, I look forward to following him in the future. And uh, Braden, maybe just tell us about what you liked about just your team's you know, performance in the second period because it, it, you know, it seemed like you're, to get those two goals was vital, extremely important. So just kind of take us back to the second period and what you like from your squad uh, in a 1-1 tie going into the second. Well, obviously we just know that this is the way we got to play from now on. We got to play hard and uh, if we keep our foot off the gas that we're not going to win many games. So we just got to keep working hard out there and uh, yeah, just goals are going to come if we play that way. It was a really entertaining seven game series in the spring there. Is there a little bit of extra motivation when you play that team that you played in the playoffs last year? Absolutely. For me, I got uh, the general manager, Steve Hildebrand. He's on that team. So oh, he's he your neighbor, no? Yeah, mm -hmm. he's my neighbor back then, So <laughs> saw him after the game and had a little chuckle with him. But yeah, obviously last year going down to the playoffs, obviously we had a pretty good team. I thought we could make it pretty far and just the way it ended it feels good to stick it to these guys in the first game. How much, how much fun was it to to plot a couple of goals in the second period, along with all your other activity that get got your name on the public address system. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call myself a goal scorer, but anytime you can pot two to help the team, it's just, it's pretty special. And uh, you've actually scored a couple of big goals against the Blades in your career. I'm just looking at your game log. You scored one in Saskatoon last season, and you've got. Uh, two here tonight against the Blades, and it's technically your hometown. Like, is it a game that you, you really wake up for when you play the Blades, technically, because you are from Martinsville, which is pretty close to Saskatoon? Well, every game, you know, you got to wake up and go to the rink, but I feel like I got a little extra fire when we play Saskatoon just because it's that close to home, and you just watch up, watching that, or grow up watching that team play, and just, you know, it makes you want to beat those guys even more. of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the show. Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and say hi to our friend, Julio Caravata. Hi, Julio, how are you? Baldy, how are you, my friend? Good, man. Hey, um, I got to ask you a question. You played uh, a number of years ago, but you were a professional football player. You've been around covering. <laughs> well, I didn't mean that as a cheap shot. I've been around a long time, too. Uh, uh, it's a long time ago, buddy. That's why, yeah. that's why I laughed. But things have, things have changed, but I, I don't know. Like, How much is a coach responsible for 
getting a team motivated. I think sometimes that's too overblown, but am I wrong with that? Because that's what we get. Oh, Dickinson can't get these guys motivated. They're not motivated to play for him. No. What no, I mean, uh, hey, listen, I've been, like you said, I've been around been around a lot of teams. And that never, that that, that is not, uh, in this day and age, it just it's not the responsibility. If, if, if you need the coach to motivate you, then you're you're in the wrong business, right? You mean it, you're getting you're getting paid to play football, which means your preparation, how you get ready for each and every game, is your responsibility. And if you need someone else to tell you how to get motivated, how to get prepared at this point, um, then you might have the wrong guy, right? I, I, I of course the, the the coach, you know. He, <laughs> You know, they, 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 they're going to say all the right things, and usually they're saying all the same things before games. But if you need that person to motivate you, then, again, as I said, you're, I, I just think you're in the wrong business, right? You just, you're getting a paycheck. This is your job, right? You, mm-hmm. If you need someone to tell you, hey, you need to play harder, um, you need to be more prepared, then, then I'm sorry, you've got the wrong guy. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't be telling you shouldn't be telling them that. Uh, that's, so, so, that's just me. so generally, when a team is not consistent, consistent teams are winning teams, like the BC Lions for the most part, like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, obviously, like the Toronto Argonauts have been mm-hmm. uh, most recently. The Riders have been good at times, but not good in other times, and really bad in other times. When you're hot and cold and inconsistent, what do you chalk that up to? Is there one thing you can chalk it up to? Well, I, I, and I think too, like in in, in all fairness to and, and again, I, I, this is just me from the outside looking in. Is, 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 this is a, a, a quarterback league, right? You need, you need good quarterbacking. And the unfortunate part is that, you know, you guys had a devastating injury to your starting quarterback, a veteran guy who, you know, would have made a, a massive difference, I think, for you guys to this point. But, and, and, and that's not a criticism on uh, Jake Dolagala or Mason Fine, mm-hmm. but they're young and they're learning. And all I know is that when I see Dolagala now, I see someone who's getting better every week, and he's you know understanding more. Um, I love the way he throws the football, and that's what happens, right? If you get inconsistency at that position, they make mistakes, they throw interceptions, they turn the ball over. Those kinds of things are, are the things that really hurt you. And you know, I mean, Ballsy, you just it doesn't matter what what you know, I mean whether it's it's the pros or the NFL, CFL, like. You see the you see the emphasis that is on quarterbacking, right? Every mm-hmm. team, you know, it's so important. Um, it's such a critical component of the game here that if you have any inconsistencies there, you're gonna you're gonna pay as a team, um, and that's that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Oh well, the BC Lions can now. Uh... Have a home playoff game uh, if they beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Last time we were in there it was nineteen to nine. Just your thoughts overall the last little while with the BC Lions. What you're seeing? Well, you mean I I'm, I won't lie. Like they, you know, they they've been able to win. I'm still concerned uh, in the it, it, with one thing is that this team still turns the ball over and, and gives it away too much. Right? They they they're going to be they're ten. They have ten wins. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're either going to be eighth or ninth in the giveaway takeaway category, which to me, like that is the one category when I look at the end of the year, usually the championship team leads that category or is like the second or third. They're in a positive, right? You're winning games by giving the ball away more times than, than you're taking it away. And that, I, I think that when you, in the end, when you're playing against the elite teams, 
that really hurts you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, they, that is one category that I think they, they really need, they, you know, they need to improve on. They just can't keep turning the ball over, whether it's fumbles or whether it's interceptions. Uh, they just can't keep doing that. So um, they've been able to find ways to win. Um, I still, and I'm, I, I still think that Saskatchewan is a very good team. They play great defense. They come after you. Um, they're good up front. And, um, you know, I, I know that uh, anybody that takes them for granted is going gonna, is gonna to pay a price. And so, and you're playing teams now that are playing for, playing for their life, right? So you have to be ready for that, uh, that emotional, that charge that comes with teams that are playing for, playing for their playoff life. Hey, uh, Julio Caravata joining us here, former quarterback in the CFL, a great color commentator in the BC Lions radio network, works with the Modes, another friend of mine. Okay, so listen, it's my first time to Ottawa. Riders haven't been there since 2019. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, a tip of the cap to their fan base. They haven't had a lot to watch or cheer for, but they yeah. still had 19,000 fans out. It's a beautiful area. Kudos to Red Blacks fans. I totally agree. I mean, it's it's one of those places that um, I love going to to a game. Um, you know, I have a lot of relatives there, and mm-hmm. my relatives are like you know they're all they're a little bit little bit younger than I am, but they're all huge fans, um, and they are extremely loyal. They love the game, and they have been kicked in the teeth many times as a franchise as far as, far as injuries and you know their quarterback roles and all that kind of stuff, and how many close games that they've lost. Um, you feel for them, but you're right. You, you got to applaud their their support and the way that they support the team. Um, it, it's it's unparalleled. It really is. They, they, they you would think that they would be struggling for fans, and they're still getting people out and supporting it. And it just goes to show you that um, they're in a great spot, and and uh, people still love to go to the games. Uh, Julio Caravada. How do you think the Toronto Argonauts are going to play this game Friday in um, in Winnipeg? It's a battle of juggernauts. They haven't met this year since the Grey Cup. That was the last time they met. Mm-hmm. Argos have been, you know, they didn't have Olet play in the last game. They pretty well easily handled the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who uh, smoked the Winnipeg Blue Bombers the week before and left a bitter taste in Bomber fans and media's mouth, which I'm smiling like a butcher's dog over here. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I hate Winnipeg, uh, but I'm going to tell you in a in a Heated rivalry I kind know, of way. I didn't know that. And I would heat, never have guessed. Yeah, that. in a heated rivalry kind of way. Uh, but, <laughs> but, 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 how do you think Toronto plays this one? They're three I, three point dogs on the road. Do they do they give it everything they got to send a message? Well, I, I think it's, you're saying this is the first time they've met, right? Since the great since cup? the great cup, yes. Yeah, so I would think that you're going to have a very very motivated uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber team, right? And and that's you know, see, the thing is too is that. So much of this game is about emotion and about, uh, you know, getting that little bit of a mental edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always think back to when the Lions had beaten Winnipeg at home and we went back there and Winnipeg absolutely throttled them. And one of the big things that they were kept on saying was that they, they, they felt they were, they were embarrassed, they were disrespected, all those kinds of things. And I would think that, you know, the Toronto Argonauts were in, in the way of them winning a, a, a great cup championship. So that's going to be the motivation that they're going to have. So, um, you know, Toronto doesn't have much to play for going in, going down the stretch here, which is dangerous. Uh, but I still think that Winnipeg is, is, is going to have the edge there because of, you know, they, they're going to play that game with a little bit more, more grit and determination to prove that they're, they're still the top dogs. Right. So, 
um, I would imagine that that's going to be the edge that's going to be the difference. Man, I hope the Argos smoke them. I hope they absolutely uh, smoke them. No. But, you know, you can see but you can see that, though, can't you, Ballsy? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, Toronto has nothing really to play for, right? Like, they're, they've got No, but spot. this is the last thing. But this, that's where I'm going with this. This is the last thing for them to play for before the end of the season. Like, I want to see them put all the all the arsenal yeah. into this one because it's a chance to, you know, really, hey, this could be the team we're going to play in the Grey Cup. Let's lay, yeah. let's lay yeah. the wood to them here right in their own stadium. Yeah. I'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lastly. I would, I would, hey, listen, I would love to see it too, but I, I, I just think that, you know, I, I – Knowing Michael Shea and the way that they've got that's a veteran group there, they're going to use that as motivation all week long that they got beat in the Grey Cup and that we got something to prove. We're still the top dogs. We're still the team to beat. Blah 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 blah. And that's 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 going to be the difference. And and, and as I said, like Toronto, um, they they they've got nothing really to play for, right? Mm-hmm. Like I understand the magnitude of this game and it's a rematch of the Grey Cup, but deep down, right, you, you, they know that it doesn't mean anything. Right? Yeah. They, hey, yeah, okay, if you beat us, we'll see you in the Grey Cup when it happens for real. Yeah. But right now, it's probably nothing for them. Okay, you got a minute, if you can, sum it up. Trey Ford, real deal? You're a Canadian quarterback. This is a Canadian yeah. quarterback. Uh, is he the real deal, do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I really I, I enjoy watching him. I think he's super athletic. I think that as he, he, he progresses through his career, um, he's going to get better at reading defenses and understanding because I think right now, you know, his, his, his running ability is really what he looks to do, right? He's going to make a read, and if it's not there, he's moving. Well, the Lions showed that if, if you're going to do that, then they're, you know, if you play against a fast enough defense, they're going to be able to close on you, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, but he needs to be able to, and he will, and he will start to understand more about how to throw the ball downfield and understanding defense because, you know, you can only be a runner for so long. The defenses will figure you out, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball. And he's proven he can do that. He just needs to do it on a more consistent basis. Julio, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll see you on Friday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Balls. You have a great week. I always love talking to you. That's Julio Caravata joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back to wrap up the show in a minute with Logan Furland here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. I'm joined with Logan Furland. I guess, Logan, what's kind of the takeaways when you watch back that film from last Friday? Yeah, it was was a tough one. Um, You know, it it wasn't as bad as the the score showed. You know, we have a lot to improve on. But speaking from an O-line standpoint, you know, we have a lot in pass protection to clean up. Whereas run game, on the other hand, was was good for us, and uh, we just need to keep fixing what we need to fix and and continue to get better each week, and and that's can, control what we can control. That's all we can do. If you take away kind of those last couple minutes before the first, the end of the first half, does it look a lot better for you guys? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know what it felt like we were we were going to be be rolling, and then we kind of lost momentum there. And uh, I think just having all three facets of the game is going to help us and being strong in all three facets at the same time and working together instead of just having, you know, one team on and one team off, uh, all working together as one unit. Has that kind of, kind of been an issue for you guys the last few weeks? It's just, you know, maybe one facet of the game has been working out of the three. Yeah, I think so. I think that's really it. You know, when you have one run game is great for us, maybe so much our, our pocket presence or our, our, as, as an O-line isn't, isn't the best, where, whereas... Uh, you know, on the other hand, our, our pocket presence might be great. You know, our pass protection might be great, but our run game might not be the best. So it's one thing or another. We've got to put it all together as, as one and uh, continue to get better each week. And in terms of the pass protection, is the big thing communication for the offensive line? Yeah, I'd say communication is a big thing uh, through, through the whole offense. It's not, not just O-line, um, as, as you know. It's, uh, it's the whole offense working together. Um, so it's us IDing properly. You know, it's the backs listening to our ID. Um, things like that, and it just comes down to communication, exactly what you said. 
Is this week a new kind of, you guys got a fresh new mind sense, a little bit different as opposed to weeks past, or is it kind of the same old routine for day one, I guess? Oh, we, we try to attack uh, each week the same. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, you, you try not to change up too much, but, uh, you know, maybe just work on things that you didn't work on before or things that uh, you really need to work on this week are going to be capitalized on a lot more than, um, you know, another week. So as far as the tempo goes, we try to keep it the same tempo, continue to do the same thing and uh, change up what we need to change up within each group. Uh, today you guys had uh, Evan Johnson practicing at center, Logan Bandia at guard. Uh, just talk about the versatility and how much it's needed for you guys, especially for yourself, needing to know, needing to know multiple positions on the O-line. Yeah, versatility is huge. I think every old lineman should be able to uh, play every spot, and that's huge. And we've especially seen it come true, come come to fruition this season. Is uh, how much we've had to go to multiple spots. Me at tackle, you know, other guys at center, other guys at tackle, um, other tackles at guard, as you see in practice. And uh, just that versatility is huge because you never know who's going to go down or when they're going to go down. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen next game, but. Uh, you always want to be prepared no matter what happens. You guys draw back on that last game from BC, even though it's a little few weeks ago and it was here, but you still draw back on that game since how, guy, how well you guys came firing out in that game. Yeah, you know, you, you always want to draw off your, your more positive games, um, but we try to treat each week the same and, and attack it as a new week, a new game, and, you know, we're, uh, it was zero, it's 0 0, and, you know, we're, we're going for that, that 1 0, and that's, that's how I try to treat each week. With a couple of losses now building up, is it kind of the pressure just to get a win, just to you know stop the negative momentum that's going against you guys? Yeah, pressure. Pressure is always tough, right? When uh, when you're winning, everyone loves you. When you're losing, everyone hates you, and that's how it works. And we got to keep the noise outside the building and just pay attention to the guys that have have a key card in this building. Those guys are the ones that are uh, are, are running this this organization, and we need to continue to just focus on ourselves and block out all that outside noise as usual. I guess heading to the last third of the season, how do you guys, how do you feel that the offensive line as a unit has been working together? I feel like we continue to get better each week. Um, I think our chemistry is getting better the more we can stay healthy as a unit and keep the same guys on the field. Um, I think I think that's shown throughout. And uh, yeah, I think I think we're continuing to get better, better communication, um, just better chemistry overall, and it, it's it's feeling really good. And just your thoughts about the defensive line you're going to face against this week in BC? Same same. Uh, same thoughts as every week. It's uh, there's nothing nothing special, right? It's um, take each week as we take it, and uh, it's just another D line to face, and you know it all comes with its challenges. But uh, just continue to keep working. People had all the talk last time we went to play them, and we had one sack against them. So uh, you know people can say what they say, but we're going to focus on what we need to focus on, and uh, that's all that matters. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Logan. Perfect. Thanks.